if I like don't trust them to give me the right non-dairy milk. Oh yeah, <laughs> then that's I fair. Just, I'm like, uh, sometimes they just forget if it's like, a, I don't know. So I will just be like, make it easy for myself. But anywho, I yeah. gotta go see. Oh, can I finish that sentence? <laughs> I can't. Oh boy, I would have just have it in a doubt. Could have just beeped it. Yeah, because now no one will ever know what I'm gonna go see. Probably uh, a, movie. a movie. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> what you were gonna say. A movie. On, on that note, welcome to episode 107 of Off the Crossfire, and let's just let's go right into it with Kyle. <laughs> have I? I can't remember what movies I've talked about seeing on here recently. I think I mentioned Barbarian, correct? Yes. Okay. I did see, I did oh, see what? Pearl. Um, oh, how was that? Cause like I, I, we've been over this. I'm not really a big horror movie guy, but like I mean, that one seems right up my alley. It's, it's cool, man. Did you see X? X is no. the X is. So they, when they filmed X to when Ty West made X, they also shot the prequel, which is Pearl. <laughs> Um, and then they released X and then now they just released Pearl. So now you, we already have within like eight, eight months. It was no, it was like March, actually. Within like five months, we have a movie and then a prequel when they 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 uh, play nicely together. They're both short movies like they're both probably about 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, so they're good. Good movie length. Uh, the optimum movie length, if you'd ask me, depending on the day. Um so yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was cool. I it might make more sense if you see the, it's like a situation where the prequel would pr- be better in context if you've seen the other one first. But okay, I think the other one's like available. It's like more of like a traditional like slasher movie. Um, hmm. I, I would not recommend to those with uh, weak sensibilities <laughs> in a lot of different jo- uh, types of sensibilities. But Kid Cudi's in X, <laughs> so. But that's unrelated to the sensibilities thing. But anyway, um, yeah, I saw that. I um, wh- what else? Oh yeah, so I wrote some stuff down because I didn't want to forget. Uh, I did go to the RSL game, but of course we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, and so yeah. on Friday, there's this there's this like folk band that uh, my mom really loves, and they're they're very good. They are called um the lower lights oh yeah, yeah and we go see their christmas like we it's like a uh, family christmas thing we do um where we go see them at christmas time every year and they played a outdoor end of summer concert at the sandy amphitheater on friday so we all went as a family to that and it was very lovely the weather was great and yeah it was it was just very nice so that was that was lovely hanging out with the family for a while on Friday, um, listening to some some folk music as we do. And what else? Oh, okay. I, I did write down. Did you guys like? Were you guys dealing with the um, the whole lightning situation? What last week? That was crazy, right? Lightning um, situation. I, I saw some in the distance, but I was further west, so it never. Really okay, me. I, it was like around me at like both direction it was like north uh yeah north and south of me what was interesting though is that like it wasn't uh i it seemed like it should have been close enough for me to hear lightning and thunder to hear the thunder from the lightning but like i could not hear it and um 
and then like it kind of it felt very War of the Worlds e you know you got you know what I'm talking about like just the seeing the lightning, um, but it was super cool and it was the first time I'd seen it here where it was like kind of a um the type of lightning that's just like constant and not uh like it wasn't just like big blasts and then you wait like a few minutes and there's another one it was just like constant lightning and it was i'd never seen that here before so that was very cool constant I, lightning I, like in the clouds or like yeah, air to like, ground strikes well kind of both but like mainly okay. in the clouds i guess you could just constantly it was just like boom 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 but it wasn't loud for me so i just, just like that rumbling I didn't even hear the rumbling. It was crazy. Like That's I was like, well, I, I heard the rumbling today. In fact, I'm seeing a little bit of rumbling in front of me, but yeah, no, I, I do love the rumbling, but it was so unique that I like with just like the constant lightning that I was, I, I very, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, um, that was cool. What else? Um, I, Oh man, you guys, I, I can't remember. Have either of you watched better call Saul? Not yet. But I'm getting there. Uh, uh, it's no, I haven't watched it. Yeah, okay. I, it's like it's a big time it's, commitment because it's, it's definitely all, one of those shows. It's like on the list, but it's the list that's like been yeah. slowly accruing over like yeah. the past ten years, and I haven't tackled it at all. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably not going to watch it anytime <clears throat> soon. But it's, I know that I should. That actually reminds me of uh, a post I saw that said if you were to start right now and watch every movie in existence, it would take you like 35 years or something. Um, but there, there is a, yeah, but like, I'm pretty sure that doesn't include like sleep and stuff. So, um, (laughs) I I I need to find the post again, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And somebody like figured out a way you can, uh, there was some calculation they did where you could like overlap some things or something. And, uh, and and shave that down but anyway um yeah i know my watch list on letterbox is kind of absurd it's just like i don't it's like multi-hundreds um at this point so uh i I get that but i will say i finally finishing up the final season of better call Saul. i didn't want to watch it week by week i'm weird about that kind of thing with some stuff um it's not a big cliffhangers you'd rather just like watch it yeah, I guess I, it's it's not that I don't like. I yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in more control. <laughs> I guess okay. uh, when I'm watch when I am doing it this way. So um, waited for it to all come out. Got them all watching it through. And my goodness, just like the best. It's like one. It's just one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's 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 incredible. I don't even. It's it's better than Breaking Bad in my opinion. Um. If I were to tell you guys that you don't um, like Breaking Bad, that I haven't seen Breaking Bad and I wanted to watch Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, would it be better as somebody who hasn't seen any of it to watch? Because my understanding is like Better Call Saul takes place before Breaking Bad. That's right. So should I watch like it chronologically through time? This is like the almost exact same go to Breaking Bad or should I watch what came out first? It's like the exact same thing with the Pearl and X singers talking about funnily enough. But um, yeah, that's a good question. And I. I think you should watch Breaking Bad first. And. The reason being is that I think um, it gives some of the characters. Why? Why do I think that? Like it's the proper context or a yeah, different it, context? Like, it adds like gravitas to like 
to, to characters, you know, like for example, I, I'm sure you're familiar with like, I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad, but you're, are you familiar with like Gus Fring, like the Poyos Hermanos guy? Gus is, the, yeah, the, he's the, the chicken man. Poyos Hermanos guy. Yeah. So he's a major character in Better Call Saul. And I thought he doesn't um, come into Breaking Bad until like later on, like several seasons. That's right. In. He, he, okay. uh, that's true. But he is uh, like one of the major characters in the show. And I think that you just, well, actually, I don't know. I, somebody should respond and tell and yeah, to okay. this question. So anybody because, listening who's watched both of those, tell me which one I should watch first. Yeah. And, and has contemplated that question because I've watched both, but it's been so long since I've seen Breaking Bad. So like, I don't, I don't know. I know there are people who are like, watch, I mean, Matt, you're watching Breaking Bad for the first time. No, it's like my fifth time, but I still haven't watched. Oh, it. wait, is Ginny watching it for the first time? I can't that's remember. Right. what. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Um, yeah, I don't, that's a really tough question. I, cause the whole like prequel coming out after the sequel thing. Is it going to make, it's not something where like, if I watch it in the wrong order, like it ruins stuff, right? I know. Like they're both really good shows independently. So whether it doesn't matter which one I watch first, they're both going to be good. That's correct. I guess the, so the question is, does like one enhance the enjoyment of the other? I think watching Breaking first. Bad is enhancing, I, th- I think. But maybe, but, but that, that can also work the other way. Like seeing Better Call Saul now first and then watching Breaking Bad will probably enhance Breaking Bad. There, there isn't like, I mean, there's obviously a ton of overlap. But like yeah. there are like most characters in... Better Call Saul are not in Breaking Bad, but like obviously Saul Goodman, uh, you know, he's he's in both. Um, Mike uh, Ehrmantraut, he's in Mike Ehrmantraut. Mike's obviously a great character. I love that you haven't seen it, but you know, like the full name of Mike. I've watched like clips and stuff and I've got several (laughs) friends who are huge fans of it and like talk about it. And so like like there's a clip. I don't remember if it's from Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, but I think it's Breaking Bad where like what's his face the nerdy dork guy goes with his van to like meet some drug dealers for something you talking and about he bring, brings us Brian Cranston's along. character no 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 it's it's some other guy the nerdy but he dork guy brings security they meet in a parking garage and it's Mike and like two other yahoos and Mike like disarms the one guy and then like beats him up a bit and convinces the guy you only need me I'm I'm the only security you need yeah and the man mountain guy like runs away because he's scared of mike and then like he's just security for this guy it's the guy that ends up he buys like a hummer and mike oh, is like yeah, yeah, i'll yeah. do this because that's really stupid <laughs> yeah that's that right. guy so like mm. i've seen that clip because somebody was like this is yeah. mike watch this and you'll you'll get it and like yeah yeah so i've, no, I've I, seen a little bit you can go either way i like i think I think it's kind of interesting. I, from like a filmmaking perspective, I think it's probably better to watch better call Saul or second just because I think Vince Gilligan and uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name have like really improved their craft uh, and just the way they shoot stuff. Like, like the film like season one to season two is a big jump. Yeah. There are huge jumps in, in, in like that in like throughout the, throughout the sequence of, uh, seasons in breaking bad, but then in better call Saul, they've just like really got it down to like a, like a science and it's, it's very good. But anyway, okay. Um, other than that, you know, I met up with, uh, Matt and Ginny and friends at the old beer bar on Wednesday to watch the RSL Austin game. (sighs) Which was fun. That was just a week ago from today. It feels like we've been through so much um, since time. then. 
it was it was a fun i had fun it was it was good i just uh it was just kind of a you know funny game and then uh yeah that's that's it for me i am uh going to i'm going back to wyoming and idaho this weekend for probably the final time of the year for a little bit of a fall excursion up there and then uh it's going to be pretty chilly in the national park um but yeah should be should be pretty nice weekend to be in jackson uh but that that is that is freaky oh yeah i got my covid booster so uh you should you should do that um because it's good yeah. <laughs> so i did that yesterday because I, I i'm very easily influenced matt just posted i am getting my shot today and i was like oh i should do that and then i just walked into the uh salt lake valley health salt lake health clinic is it just called salt lake health i don't know salt lake health department that's what it is and they have a clinic in west jordan off of redwood it's a nice new clinic they have and it was great it was everyone there was really nice and helpful and they gave me some free covid tests as well and they were just uh good old folks so yeah had a great had a great time over there but that's it for me matt matt you go next so um one thing i did this week if it may come as a surprise i got my covid shot nice as a surprise unless you weren't listening and that's totally fine passive listening (laughs) to podcasts is totally acceptable (laughs) Um, other than that, I, I wrote these things down. Um, I will say the shot was not too bad after about 30 hours. I was feeling mostly normal and today I'm feeling great. So <laughs> yeah, though it was kind of weird on for me where hours, I, you return to normal from your alien state that the shot sent you into. Yeah, yeah I do have 5g ultra wide now. So, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I, uh, didn't have any reaction to the other three, but, um, this one got to me a little bit more it just the arm i should have moved my arm around a lot more after i i got it because i was good at that previously and i didn't do that this time and it was very sore and i it hurt to sleep on so and i'm an i'm an arm sleeper too so yeah what's a, what's an arm sleeper like you sleep, sleep on, on like your my arm? sides so okay but i mean so do i but i don't i wouldn't okay i don't know like do laying on arm my sleeper? arm like <laughs> i'm a side sleeper okay and uh as part of that weird way to say that as part what what's on your side i get that but like arm sleeper implies that like you tuck your arms like underneath you or like so i i don't know i don't know i'm just saying what i'm laying on (laughs) your side which where is my where's my where my arm is are you laying on on your arms or your arms i mean like like, kind of maybe like 30 maybe like (laughs) at least some percentage of me is laying on my arm which is fine that's not like all my weights going around on my arm because that's you might get like a dead arm but like i i sleep on my arm like a normal amount (laughs) okay I so, think to- a totally normal amount, a totally normal way to sleep. Got it. <laughs> if RSL had put up this much fight in either of the past, <laughs> we might have a very different podcast. Did we, do we have to, I'm not looking at the doc right now. Do we have to talk about the Austin game here? Or did we already talk about the Austin game on a previous podcast? We did not talk about the Austin game. Unbelievable. On a I know. I'm excited for I the thought we were now. just talking about the Cincinnati game. I'm. Yep. Okay. All right. We're All right. <laughs> Other than that, um, I, want, you, Matt. <laughs> I know. I don't know if I can. <laughs> well, I'll, we'll we'll talk about it later. Anyway, Matt, yeah. so he got his COVID test or uh, shot. Yeah, I went to the Monarchs game on Sunday, which is a great time. Oh, uh, Ian and Veronica yeah. were there, and a bunch of other people. Uh, but you know, Ian convinced me to come out, and that was great. Um, Monarchs games are fun. 
it turns out good. now. Uh, even if the stadium, I think, is one of the worst stadiums I've seen. Really? In terms of, like, baffling decisions. <laughs> That's so, like, I was, like, let's go, because I've only heard, like, kind of good things about the stadium. Yeah, yeah. I, I only have bad feelings. The, the game and the company was worth every second. But, um, What's wrong okay. with the stadium? So, so the side that's in the shade, yeah, uh, you would think would be the seats, right? But it's I mean, not. yeah, the side in the shade, and games start you know when it's sunny. Uh, the side in the shade is the side with bleachers. Mm-hmm. So starting there, it's it's pretty uncomfortable. When the sun gets low enough, it bounces right off of the windows above the seats. <laughs> And is incredibly bright and like super blinding from the bleachers. So that's annoying. So basically it's just bright on both sides at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and then the supporter section, I mean, it's it's like three rows of bleachers. It's not a lot. Um, but it's also, you know, the sun is in your face the entire game. But, you know, it's just there there are decisions I think that were made that just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I and know. I'm sure we're financially motivated. Yeah, no, they were. The, there was some. I, I can't remember who told me. I was at the. La, was that the last one I went to? He was. Oh, it was Lucas. Actually, it told me some of like the stuff around like that Deloitte demanded, <laughs> uh, having to do with that stadium and like how things were set up. So I know that was definitely part of it. I don't know what exactly. I can't remember what those demands are, but it was definitely like with like the where the view of like the mountains was essentially. There was like some stuff there, but yeah, I I think the stadium itself. I I agree with like the arrangement. Like it's really weird. It doesn't feel right, but the stadium itself I really like. Um, yeah, yeah. If you just rotate it 180 degrees, it's yeah, it's like it's like exactly the wrong angle, and I don't know. I don't know why that wasn't uh, yeah you can't you can't it's too late to pick it up and turn it i think but anyway yeah yeah no but the i so yeah i've heard i i've only heard good things but i when i was there for the first time i was like huh this feels like it's just a little like off (laughs) yeah 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 it it definitely feels off um so i did that and then did i say that i finished the rehearsal oh nice which uh i can't really talk about it no i can just say like i don't know if you'd enjoy it but go watch it i mean it was a recommendation from kyle so yeah i can't really talk about it because you don't want to spoil it or because it gets really emotional and you don't feel capable of discussing that uh mostly the first but (laughs) there's like some influence with the second there where it's there's some like stuff that is kind of it feels kind of heavy yeah there's some heavy stuff (laughs) yeah but it's like I mean, the, we've talked about it before, but the basic premise is like it's uh, Nathan Fielding, Fielder, Fielder, Fielder. Um, and the the premise, which it it kind of, I mean, I I can't say much, but uh, is that it's he's going through like real life rehearsals with people to like help them work through situations, and it's only six episodes long. Each episode is thirty to forty minutes. This is six. I thought it was eight. I can't. I can't remember. I just looked at it at six. Oh yeah. dang! Wow. I, I wish it was, it was only eight. six. Yeah, me too. But I, I'd highly recommend it if if you're okay with something that is not a traditional narrative <laughs> or anything close to that. <laughs> this, like, 
I know it's not, but it sounds like he just like kills people at the end. Now like, you're not successful. Sorry, Squid Game, you're dead. It's not that. Although <laughs> no. the Squid Game, there is some weird stuff going on in Squid Game. Um, but I will say that uh, there, there's no one that's ever made anything like what Nathan Fielder does. So it's like a first. That like, I it's like if you want to just watch like television history, um, it's worth it from that aspect alone. Even if you don't end up like loving it, it's which I do, right? Uh, HBO. Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Another HBO for you to watch. It's it's a good service. I I believe it, but you know, costs money. It does. Just another. Oh well. I've been meaning to get it for a long time. I just need to bite the bullet. I think they had a sale recently. I need to double check if they're still doing it. Where like if you pay for a year in advance, you get forty percent off for the whole year. Mm. That's basically like five months free. That sounds correct. Not so bad. So anyway, that, that's all I've got. That's enough time to watch like all the good HBO shows. So that's true. Trevor, what about you? What's going on? Um. Yeah, not much. This is a really uneventful week. Hold on, did we do something on Saturday? The game. We were there together. We were at the game. Sunday, we didn't do anything. Friday, no. Uh, hate to disappoint but we did like I, I did less than nothing this week i made the mistake of um picking up a video game that i stopped playing several years ago which game was that the division two the division two okay it turns out that like it's definitely a game that like you could spend a thousand hours on and like there's still oh, stuff yeah. to do and yeah i stopped before when I got to a point in it where I was like, oh, this is going to take forever to beat it. I feel like I've done enough. I've enjoyed this game. Let's move on. And then I, my buddy was talking to me about Destiny 2, and I was like, oh, that I, this is going to sound stupid, and I get it. But I was like, oh, this that kind of reminds me of The Division 2, how there's like different levels, and you can just like keep advancing and doing raids with friends and like yeah. replay missions and do that whole aspect. And I was like, that reminds me of Division 2. Hey, I haven't played that in a long time. Let's go see if that's still a thing. And it is still a thing. And I started playing as like my character that I played four years ago that I had built up and like was doing really well with. Yeah. And I was at a point like still playing through like the story and I had no idea how I got there. So I was like, oh, well, I, I should start a new guy and like play through the story again. So I get it sure. and understand like these mechanics and what's going on and relearn how to play the game. So I restarted it and it's going to take like 40 hours to like play through the stupid thing. And <laughs> That's how I, I know that that exact same thing is going to happen to me when I decide to play Red Dead Redemption 2 again. Yeah. Just because it's like one of my favorite games I've ever played, but it's yep. so time consuming. And I've, I like literally, I've, I don't know how many hours I spent on that game, but three fourths of it was just spent like hunting animals to try to make cool clothing <laughs> like just like hours and hours searching for like rare cougars or something yeah so i could make like a cool hat <laughs> yeah and no, i was so happy to do it <laughs> it's it's very similar to red i'm glad you brought that up because that was another one I, I played several times in the last couple of years that's one that like if you leave for a while and then jump in and you're like in the story you kind of forget where you are in the story and you need to like jump back and like relearn how to play it a bit. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. It, same thing. That's what I did with the division. And then I got to the point where I was like, oh yeah, I remember what's going on. I remember the story. I remember what's happening. This all makes a lot of sense. But I started a new character, so I have to finish this new character and like play through it. And so I'm trying to bounce back and forth between two different characters that I'm playing. One starting over and one's like all like done and not completed because you can like keep getting new stuff. Sure. Anyway, it's a mistake and it wastes it didn't waste. I shouldn't use that word because I had a lot of fun doing it, but I played it for pretty much all most of the day Saturday, pretty much most of the day Sunday. And I got home from work yesterday and I was like, we can't do this. We can't just <laughs> get home from work and immediately play video games. So let's find something else to do. Sure. So yeah, that's good. I uh I this is gonna be a weird next year for me because I am definitively not playing FIFA 23. Okay. Um <clears throat> just something that I have I haven't I haven't missed in a year on FIFA in quite some time, but I just couldn't the time investment into the FIFA ultimate team, just I can't do it again. Yeah. Um so I've been looking for a new game. I have a I have a Ghost of Tsushima, which is a game that I'm meaning to play. Um, which is I got with my PS5, but apparently is a really amazing game. Yeah. Um, uh, that's but that's another the time intensive one. But I did uh, start playing just like I was curious what the state of the game was. Uh, I downloaded Fortnite on my PS5. Okay, and I am like they introduced it. Did either of you play Fortnite? I played no. it for like a minute and was like, oh, this is stupid. And so I stopped playing. I think genuinely like I'm just one of the people I don't like building. I don't like the building aspect. <clears throat> I have some and good like, news for you. A month ago. Yes. I saw that they were like, oh, a no build season. There's a, no, there's a no build mode. Yeah. No build mode. And I was like, oh, that might be more my style. Yeah. But I didn't pick it up. Well, again, if so you I do like, want I to, to play the no build mode, if you want to just like. I mean, I, I don't know, like that was always my we- the weakest part for me when I played that game. And I like just was annoyed by the building constantly. Um, I am I'm very good at the rest of the game. I downloaded it and I was playing the new build mode or the no build mode earlier. And I I win almost every single round I play. Like, it's just way too easy. So nice. Um, that's that's what I'm worried about is that like I would start playing Fortnite and I would just get wasted by 14 year olds who have a thousand hours in the game. And it's I like, mean, I don't, that doesn't, I would kind of expect the same make. thing, but I, for some reason, for whatever reason, like the children that I'm playing against, which <laughs> I can only assume they are children. You're stomping um, them. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, um, other than that, yeah, you might have a, might find a new game. We'll see. I do. I'll probably play the call of duty modern, modern warfare two when it comes out. I, yeah. I wanted to like, look into that. I had a <laughs> I had a problem. Let's delve into Trevor's mental issues. Years ago, yeah. I used to play Modern Warfare 2 and I play Same. I legitimately probably put like 2000 hours into it over yeah. several years and I played the multiplayer like all the time and I was never like really good at it, but I was kind of good and I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. But I got to the point where like I would get mad at the game because I wasn't as good as I wanted to be, you know? Mm-hmm. It happens. You get killed, you get mad. And like I didn't ever get to the level of like damaging stuff or anything like that. Like <laughs> I've seen people do sure. that and like that's crazy and insane stuff. But I would just get like really upset at the game and my answer to being really upset at it was to just play again and be like we're not going to do that this time. And then I would go do that thing and I would go die and it would make me very upset. So I just like was very upset generally like it legitimately turned me into a more upset person. 
And I realized I was more like irritable and like quicker to get angry at things and people. And I was like, this is a problem. Let's see if we can address it. And then I realized that I was getting really angry at Modern Warfare. And I was like, let's just not play Modern Warfare and just see what happens. That'd be silly if that was the thing that was like <laughs> making me a more angry human being. And I didn't play it for a month. And after a month, I was like, I'm way happier and I'm not nearly as irritable and I'm nearly as upset. So I was like, all right, we just can't play Modern Warfare anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't played a Modern Warfare type game. And I say that like I just talking about playing division two which is not yeah, the yeah, same yeah. but it's similar but i haven't played like a multiplayer type game like that for several years um until i picked up like counter-strike but there's yeah there's a big the difference like, in like the the effect it has on your mood playing like a more like rpg like game than oh yeah uh, like a first person shooter multiplayer game which is like uh, there's probably not a more frustrating type of game when you're not doing well so yeah, yeah. head to head I just direct yeah just generally, I tend to handle my moods and emotions a lot better now than I did when I was 21 through 25. So sure. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, that was my experience with Modern Warfare 2. So I do, I have seen like that they're doing an open beta or they did an open beta and they've got all kinds of new maps and new play modes and like it all sounds really exciting and fun and I kind of want to try it out. I'm just worried of like falling into that trap again and I don't really want to do that to myself, but I'm interested in it. I want to look into it more. It looks fun. Could be good. Could yeah. be good. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on. That's what's popping. Brand new whip just hopped in. Mm. So what's we... next? Do we have to talk about Austin now? <laughs> um, no, not no. yet. We've got news and rumors. Oh, good. What's the news and rumors? What's um, the apps? The first is that the Utah Jazz craned with Ray Al Salt Lake. Good. <laughs> Which neat, um, but let's talk about this item first. I'm going to move this up. Did you see Laurie Markinen scoring on uh, Gavin Beavers? <laughs> no, but I. It was I, good. I should go watch that. Who's taller, Laurie Markinen or Gavin Beavers? Boy, I mean, there's a picture of Laurie Markinen and uh, Jasper Loffelson, and he's like twice Jasper's height. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's truly beautiful. Well, isn't because I, I don't know because I've never seen him, I don't think. But isn't Gavin Beavers like six foot four or something like that? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, tall, he's, really. he's really tall. Um, but yeah, Laurie Markinen is huge compared to Jasper. Sure. It's really great. Go look it up. I retweeted it. So there's your, your easy access. Double check something on Instagram because I learned something about that whole thing or from that whole thing. And I think what I learned is that. So the Jazz obviously have a social media team and like a photographer. And um, mm -hmm. I follow the teams, one of the team's photographers and the social media person on Instagram. And they posted like, a, hey, look, it's the Jazz and RSL like social media thing. And I think both of the Jazz, the photographer and the social media person that they were posing and taking a picture with, I think they're both named Gabby. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting and funny. And confusing in a lot of cases, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's what I learned. About okay. the jazz, but that's so, all that I did. So you guys talk more about it. Before we get into that, we should talk about uh, this, and that's that a couple Real Salt Lake players are out for health and safety health and safety protocols. With Pablo Mastroeni saying yesterday that uh, there were <laughs> some players with COVID. I was going to say, was that a team thing? Did we get confirmation from the team, or is that just Pablo yeah. on the radio? Uh, there is confirmation from the team that two players are out for health and safety reasons. Okay. 
Uh, and that's Michael Chang and Tate Schmidt. And again, there's no judgment on any of this. It's not, there's no, no shaming, of course, but you know, we had, there was a COVID outbreak in the team in, you know, during preseason and uh, it seriously impacted the team's preseason. And uh, if it seriously affects our postseason, it'll just be a great full circle moment. <laughs> not not is, a full circle moment you want. What Matt is doing, dear listener, is called building a narrative. He's blaming yeah. the whole season on a on a COVID outbreak in the preseason. And if we don't win the championship, it's because of a COVID outbreak just before the postseason. That's the reason that this team is not successful. There's no other reasons for it. Yeah. Let, let this That's be a reminder. Happening. Like, just... <laughs> Go get your booster. Like it's going around. We talked about it earlier. Like there's plenty of evidence. It's well tested. So anyway. Yep. And then there's a hamstring injury that uh, apparently is impacting our Atlas game at the very least. Uh, Didn't didn't quite catch who that was. Uh, Was not listed in the team's. um, You know, build ability report. I'll just like mention that offhand or something. Yeah. yeah, didn't he say, like, somebody asked him about something, and he, his response was basically like, well, we've got a couple first-team players out with COVID, and somebody else has an issue with their hamstring. Yep. I didn't say names. He, I love that thing that he, he actually said, we've got a guy with a hamstring. Yeah. As, like, I love when people say that. <laughs> As, like, One you're, of supposed, guys, you're supposed to have that. <laughs> That's so a good two, thing. actually. I, I bet we... <laughs> We'd have fewer hamstring strength if players didn't have hamstrings. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know what this you replace true. them with. Has there been research done to determine if hands, hamstring is one of those necessary things? Like, I, think I can't remember what the consensus consensus is on the appendix, but it does seem like there is some value to an appendix because you'd think that we the human body would stop developing it if it oh you know over time. So one of those vestigial organs. Yeah, but anyway, like there you go. Hopefully none of the jazz players caught COVID. That's yeah. where I wanted to go with that. Yeah. Or that, hope they're having fun nursing the uh, gallbladder of the leg, as it were. So, <laughs> um, And, you know, COVID notoriously spreads. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't spread to the rest <laughs> of the squad. Uh, because yeah. from a health and safety perspective, that would just be too bad. Yeah. That's not what we want. And from a sporting perspective, best case, we get like del- to delay our last two games. You're not saying they should purposely get COVID to try to delay the games. I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know what would happen in that instance. Because if on decision day. Out. Yeah. And yeah, they, what if it's decision day and like 18 players are out with COVID? Yeah. The schedule's super tight. So I, it's a great question because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's decision day, baby. I think, I think it would probably just need to be a forfeit at that point. Well, yeah. I mean, Maybe, but also decision day is still like two and a half, three weeks away. So there's yeah. definitely time for like, <clears throat> I don't want to sound, what's the word? Callous. Pessimistic? Oh. Callous? That's another one. But an outbreak could go through the team and still like be finished by the time the decision day comes around. Sure. That like we've is got true. time. Uh, the first game in playoffs is October 15th. So less than a month away. Nice. <laughs> All right. I love the word. Just every day I'm realizing how close to the end of the season we are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a long one, guys. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
it's been, it's been a, a short season too, which is weird. Been a long time. No, that's not the right song. The situation I've seen you. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we're getting there. Uh, all right. Next up, we've got a bunch of international call-ups. Uh, Saverino and Cordova for Venezuela. Uh, Diego Luna for the USU 20s. He scored a goal this evening. Yeah, a very nice goal. Uh, go look a that up. Goal? I retweeted that. Real competition? Or was it like... Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that they were playing today. So, I mean, that's on me. Well, but. I don't know what the competition is, actually. It is. I've got it here. Not a meaningful competition. It's the Revelations Cup. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay. Uh, he scored against Peru. So, good for him. Yeah, Peru's um, a real team. And then we've got Brian Ojeda for Paraguay. Uh, Brian cool. Oviedo for Costa Rica. And Rubio Rubin for Guatemala. Cool. So, there you go. There are our international call-ups. Um, and then I've written here our next item. Um, and I want to announce that we've trademarked this and we'll be actively suing podcasts who use it. <laughs> uh, and that's called the Monarchs Minute. Um, <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about the Monarchs game aside from they won. I went. And uh, it turns out I watch 100% more. Mo- that's not, not really 100% infinitely more monarchs uh when i'm in the stadium because they have replays that are not just one bad angle and that makes a big difference they have more than one camera at that stadium they're allowed to do that i gotta be honest i really it's hard to overstate how terrible (laughs) the broadcast is it's so bad it's unbelievable i like it's it's i like high school games are Okay. Also, I watch like a weird amount of college soccer because it's on it's on it's on ESPN all the time. Yeah. Um. So I've been watching like a lot of college soccer. The broadcasts that they have are like twenty times better than what's going on with MLS Next Pro. It's crazy. It's so bad. They like at that game. I was trying to catch the replay of like I think I can't remember who scored, uh, but he scored a good goal from like well outside. Not Diego. Uh, Mondi. Tyrone Mondi. Mondi. Yeah. Uh, it was a great goal, and I tried to watch the replay. Can't tell what's going on. There's no replays uh, other than just like the main angle. The camera is like barely functioning, and the commentator is saying "real monarchs" the whole time. <laughs> so I'm like, this is such a joke. Like it's it's insane. And like I saw, um, you know, people at RSL being like, "Yeah, like we have no control over this," and I and I totally get that. Uh, it's also just like insane that. MLS is letting it be like this because it's it's horrific. It's so bad. Awful. Like, I don't want to use the word disgusting, but like it's a disgusting like product. Like as like a viewer of TV. So bad. It's It's terrible. Like I the angle is just like it's it's unacceptable. You can't even you literally can't see what's going on. I feel bad not caring at all about the monarchs this year. Because like you should. Yeah. We should be caring about the monarchs. At least, like, be aware of what's going on. Who's on the team? Who you know? Like, we should we should know some things about the monarchs. Sure, but I I truly don't care because I can't watch them on TV. I would like to tune into a game and be able to like watch them and recognize players and see what's going on. But I I can't. Yeah, it's I legit. I gave it. I gave it a really good try early in the season when they were doing those when they first started the broadcasts, and I think i lasted like 40 minutes and was like this is an insane way to present <laughs> and watch a sport like can't handle this yeah um, no, monarchs famously had a really bad start to their season the first three quarters were 
really bad. We had plenty yeah. of time. We lost like eight games in a row or something. It was. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, wasn't it like halfway through the season before we won our first game? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they they came around, and it was interesting yeah. to see like Axel Kai as a different player than he was at the start of the season because he's you know fourteen, and that's because he spent uh, a twentieth of his life <laughs> in that season. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah no, it's yeah, no. the team looked very different, and like I I, I noticed a big change when. Uh, I like I, I noticed something had like definitively changed when they played the U21 Chelsea team whom they beat in penalty kicks. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just like I mean, they came out a little shell shocked in that game. But once they realized that like they uh, could compete at a de- like, you know, well enough, yeah. um, it was they like. I don't know if it was just that game, but around that time is when they gained uh, some real confidence and seemed to just be better and not lose every game. And so, yeah, that was good to see. They, there was like pretty measurable growth, I'd say from the beginning to the end of the season. Cause it was bleak there for a while. So, yeah. So next season, go see a Monarchs game. Uh, you yes. should go do that as a podcast. Actually. We should do that. Uh, and that ends the Monarchs minute. I hereby uh, forgo any claim to copyright on Monarchs Minute. <laughs> Just like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was a successful thing for us. I think somebody can do it better. Yeah. Someone somebody who doesn't really have any problem driving all over the place and does it like on a daily basis for work. I don't want to drive out to Harriman for a game. <laughs> I'm so, let me just put that firmly on the record. It can like, be a day if it's like a day when you're already in Salt Lake and like you can make a thing of it, you know? I just, I, yeah, I don't want to make a habit of it for sure. Just because like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, we had the we had the couple years with the Royals, uh-huh. and I was a season ticket holder for the Royals, and we went to just about every Royals game, and I went to just about every RSL game, and realized that like I was going to Salt Lake to watch yeah. a soccer game like thirty five weekends out of the year, yeah, thirty five times a year, and like that's a ton. And if I'm already going to RSL games, I don't also want to go to Monarchs games, which are even further out of the way, and like. Sorry, dudes. This is where like I'm gonna pull my I live in Provo card and just be like, yeah, I'm not going. If you live in Salt Lake, like go out to Harriman, but I live in Provo and that's a friggin' hike, dude. Yeah, I'm not, no, I get it. I'm happy. Like if we do a pod day, I'll be there for sure. I'll go. Mm, but I'm sure. Just kidding. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'm I get not it, gonna man. be like a regular consumer of, a lot of gas. Real Monarchs <clears throat> soccer in that stadium. You should have just said you did it because you care about the environment and you don't want to. You, you're trying to keep track of your emissions. So I mean. Yeah, gas is expensive. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, should we talk about the Austin game? Let's so what happened in the Austin game? Remind me. I don't. I have zero memory of that game because it's been wiped. Yeah, so first up, Pablo Mascarani was really angry following the game. That was the first thing that happened. <laughs> um, and actually, his anger about the game seemed... Can we... <sighs> Can we talk um, about the, his anger well, after the game? Let's talk, so let's talk about the game first. How about that? Yeah. No, let's start. So let's RSL played well for 60 minutes. They they started like a mainly like backup type squad. Uh, Diego Luna started this game. Looked uh, great. Diego Luna looked really good in this game. Um, Most players look pretty good in this game for the first yeah. 60 minutes, to be honest. First like, 60 minutes, RSL looks, looks really good. Look competitive. 
Um, did Diego Luna get subbed off at half or is it shortly after half? Uh, Diego Luna, the first substitute was at 61st minute and it was Cordova came off for Rubio Rabin. And then at the 70th and 71st was when Julio and Luna came off for Musovsky and Miram. Mm. Yeah. Which so was silly and didn't make any sense, but yeah, we'll get it was there. another very confusing, uh, like what were we doing personnel and formation wise game? Mm-hmm. Uh, after this point <clears throat> but i will say this was another game from rubio rubin just lacking confidence entirely in front of goal uh he had at least one really clear chance that he just scuffed wide um and it was kind of just like it's crazy that we've gotten to this point from the guy who looked like he could be pretty freaking lethal uh last season and now it's just like yeah no cordova is the obvious choice in front of him um, Matt- Matt has a question that I, I kind of hope we devote some time to. What question is that? Yeah, what question is it, Trevor? The question about if we had given Rubin the same amount of opportunities as we gave Cordova, who like at the beginning of the season was trash yeah. and was trash for a very long time. And it was very clear that he was trash and he just never seemed to miss a start, never seemed yeah. to miss a game. He was never punished for being very bad at soccer for a long time and like (laughs) there was a period during the season where like we kind of bore the fruits of that like he scored a couple goals in a couple games and like they were good goals and crucial goals and like we could see and now he's the leading scorer on the team which is a different conversation because it's a miserable number of goals to be scored from a leading scorer that's not the point the point is Cordova was given all kinds of time and opportunity to find the game find his feet and start finding ways to score goals. If we had done that with Rubio Rabin instead of Cordova, the player who we had have, on contract, notably. Yeah. Would Rubin be, have scored more goals, less goals than Cordova? Would he be a better player than he is now? I mean, I, he'd be certainly, I think, he, I personally think he'd be a lot better than he is now. I don't know if he'd be like that much better than Cordova. It's tough for yeah. me to say. Uh, it it is it's really hard to say and the thing that that just i don't i'm certainly not not going to sit here and say like rubio rubin is a better player than cordova um but i think we can say like rubio rubin did not get the same opportunities yeah that's true for whatever reason that may be maybe rubio rubin was not a great training player or maybe something else i don't know didn't pass the eye test but his minutes were severely, I mean, he, he came and injured, uh, was injured in the early stage of the season, if not preseason. Uh, no, he, he had uh, surgery in the offseason, didn't he? And took yeah, a little bit to recover from that. But and this then was isn't ready a case by the of, start of the season. Yeah, this yeah. isn't a case of him being injured until recently. Mm-hmm. Like, we've gone through the entire season, and he's been healthy for most of it, I think, is not unfair to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's been seeing minutes consistently from the start of the season, but uh, so he missed a couple games, but then he was a substitute or like he got his first start in the Open Cup uh, after being an important (laughs) player through the season, right? Through all of 2021. Yeah. And then went back to being a substitute and started one game in May. He started He started that really terrible game we had at Nashville, like the worst game of the season where we put him and Cordova together. Mm-hmm. He started one game in June. He started two games in July. 
uh, and one game in well, actually three games in July, but one was in MLS Next Pro. Um, he started no games in August and two games in September. And like the the fact that we signed Rubia Rubin to a big deal, right? And yeah. then just didn't play him. Yeah, that's playing. that's my big takeaway from that that question was not necessarily I think Rubio Rabin would certainly have several goals at this point in the season if he played that many minutes. Yeah. And was just given that many opportunities. I'm not going to say that he for sure would be better than Cordova or scored more goals. Like history says he might have. And that would be cool. But <clears throat> at the very least, my big takeaway was that, like, like I said, Cordova was visibly bad and harming the team through several games earlier in the season. And under, I feel like, any other coach would have benched him and been like, okay, we got to try something else because this is unacceptable. Like, we're not going to reward this behavior with more playing time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if Rubio comes out and he's also trash, like, fine. But at least then, like, you're trying things and you're showing players that, like, there's a bar there's and you're not, not reaching competition it. for your spot. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel like there's ever been competition for Sergio's <laughs> spot this Porto's year. Spot, despite being the 42nd best goal scorer in the league. <laughs> Or whatever it is. He, he scored eight goals, and that it's very low on the list of top goal scorers in the league. Sure. Yep. It's, I don't know. He, he's had two starts, like two consecutive starts this season. Yeah, and lately. It's not good enough. This is, I'm not looking at the numbers, but it feels like lately Rubio Rubin, most of his minutes have come in uh, near the end of games as a substitute for Cordova, and he is put in games where we're either trying winger, to, I guess, either as a winger, like straight up a midfield player, or he, which is not Rubio Rubin ever has been, or he's just simply like, like we've talked about it, like he's just a warm body, like you just need somebody to be in the way, and not like as somebody that's like creating scoring chances or somebody that's having chances created for them, like yeah. He has a lot of minutes and without goals, and that's a lot because the minutes that he was playing, we weren't trying to score. We weren't trying to play to his strengths in any way whatsoever. So, or just, we were trying to score in a way that like this team never scores in, which is that like four-two-four thing we've tried a few times, where we're just really desperate and it turns into just just a mess. crossing for crossing's sake. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Rubio Rabin was done. Re- I mean, the season's not over, so. I- Probably shouldn't make this proclamation, but he was done real dirty this season. I feel like he was really let down by, I don't know, maybe he was let down by himself, but I feel like he was let down by the coaching staff a lot. I don't think they did anything to help him or help his game. Or yeah, like it's got to be really frustrating for him to, the team. to get that contract and then just be like, yeah, you're basically not part of the plans. And then it's like, I mean, now we have Danny Musovsky on the roster too. It's just like, I uh, it, uh, yeah, I just don't really know. I I don't know what our plan is, but he can play winger. That's for future us to figure out. <laughs> well, um, it may not be. I think Masovsky's contract is expiring at the end of the year, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, so he might not be on the roster either. So yeah, I uh, truly cool. can't wait for our end of season like preview, like we did last year. We, we're mm. doing that again, by the way. I've just yeah. made that declaration Great. where we're going through and like calling who's being, whose options are getting exercised and who's not and who's 
in and out of contract and who should be back. I can't wait for that because it's going to be really cathartic, I feel like, to like get that out. <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're right about that. So uh, We're going to get a lot of things off our chest that episode. Anyway, back to the Austin game. Did we say that GTA scored a hat trick? Not yet. We were talking uh, about uh, the silly so substitution RSL patterns. played well for 60 minutes, and then we made some subs, and like everything changed. So I think um, even more notably, Austin made a triple sub. Well, yeah. and uh, Around the same time, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, 58th minute. Yeah, GTA so right came on in the 58th minute and scored in the 60th, and then we made our first sub after that goal. Mm-hmm. And then we made a couple more subs 10 minutes later. And then GTA scored two more times in the 76th and 80th minute, completing his 20 minute hat trick um, after scoring two goals, the first 24 games of the season or whatever it was. Yep. He only had two goals going into this game and he ended with five. So congrats to him. <laughs> and I believe it was the, uh, the first MLS hat trick as a substitute since what like 2010 or something it was wandalowski and i think it was in 2011 or 2012 so it's been 10 years at least and i think it was the was it the first hat trick in q2 stadium Mm -hmm. uh first hat trick in mls or for in austin's history as well yeah that's what it it was the first hat trick for the team and the first i think it was the first hat trick scored in that stadium so good bar trivia question several years Mm -hmm. from now which team allowed the first? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we made a couple substitutions that didn't really. We brought on Justin Miriam to play attacking midfielder. Like it, a role it definitely weakened the team. Like there's no question. The team was playing well as everything was going according to plan. And then the formation changed, the players changed, and it all fell apart. It all got very bad. This was also the game um, Kappelhoff started, right? Yep. yep. Kappelhoff, and we were playing kind of a three in the back, kind of a five, <coughs> three, was, five, whatever, five in back line. Or was this bit. one? Yeah, we were playing like the three, five, two thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. three, five, two, five, three, two, whatever. Anyway, Kappelhoff also just had an incredibly bad game. That was the game. I don't know if it was an incredibly bad game, but he had incredibly bad moments in the game that were kind of the highlight slash low light of his time at RSL. Yeah. I feel like, and I, I said it at the game, like Kapelhoff doesn't, doesn't deserve to be getting minutes at this point when we've got somebody like Haziel Orozco or several other players that are center backs that are homegrowns that like should be seeing minutes ahead of him at this point. So I, I'm, I'm over Kapelhoff and I don't want that to be, that's that's mean to say, and I don't want it to be like that mean. But we he's just he's just I mean, he's a striker. We know this. <laughs> he should have been played a striker this whole time. He's uh, keeping players off the field that should be on the field. And like he doesn't bring anything to the club other than like no, he just doesn't bring anything to the club. Yeah, I do I agree. We should be playing Eric Holt more. I would prefer to see Eric Holt on the field than Kapelhoff at Bond this point because like at least you're putting somebody in the shop window and at least it's a homegrown player and like you can at least hang your hat on that a little bit yeah, yeah. I believe that under certain circumstances Eric Holt does good things as a defender yeah I actually so and it's stuff that like it's only going to get he's only going to get better at if we play yeah. him more <clears throat> yeah I'm I'm not 
So I don't, I'm not going to come out and say that Kapilov had a good game, but when two of your center backs on the bench who have had good games um, have basically games that end their RSL career within weeks of each other, I think that there's something else going on. And maybe it's coincidental and maybe they're just both not good enough. And that's certainly possible. Um, but, but, I think we put Kapelhoff under pressure and we let him be under pressure. And I think with Holt, we've, we put him into a game like unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And both of them basically having terminal performances. Like I don't think is a coincidence and I don't think it's entirely on the players, somewhat on the players, but I think the acts may be unreasonable. I agree with that. I don't think we've, Again, we've talked about this several times. Pablo's idea of like changing between a three man backline and a four man backline and like not committing one way or the other and like blaming it on injuries or blaming it on setting up differently for the other team. Like, I, I don't think it does anybody any favors to be playing different systems with the same players or with different players and doing different things in different games. Like, it's, it's square peg, round hole type stuff. And it's kind of the, just the MO of, Pablo over the whole time he's been here is he hasn't really committed to any one thing. And I think that does a real disservice to the players. If they're not knowing what to expect game in game out, you know what I mean? Like it, it's difficult. And so I feel for the players. And like I said, I'm being, I'm sounding mean to Kapelhoff. I don't want to be mean to Kapelhoff. Um, specifically, I think he was hard done by coaching and by just the system that we're putting him under. I agree with that completely. But on top of that, he's 32 years old and he was a free agent signing. And like, if we're going to fail at center backs, I would rather fail with like center backs that we could eventually trade or offload or, or yeah. at least have them be homegrown center backs. Cause we've got yeah. like five homegrown center backs on the roster right now. I think four, at least that I think I just feel like I'm missing somebody, but so I know we've got at least four. I mean, if we, <laughs> We got Glad, like, Hazi, Farnsworth, and Holt right now, and Aaron Herrera. There's, <laughs> and Aaron Herrera. I mean, there is a, there is a lot of um, ta- like the the twenty twenty two under twenty two or whatever thing came out. So there's been a lot of talk of like you know how this club isn't really a development club anymore. Yep. Um, and I you know that's been a pretty uh, a thing I've I've been seeing in the discourse, I guess. Um, but. I, and I, I think like I, that definitely speaks to it. Like I, I part of the problem here is that I don't think uh, this club is committed to a long-term coach right now. And so when that happens, you've got a coach stuck in a like win at all costs right now mentality. Yep. And so you won't be playing the kids because if you play the kids, you might be more likely to lose, which means more likely to get fired. So the longer we again are stuck in this like perennial two year coach thing, which no one is happy about, like even the people who are supportive of, of the coach each time we get a new one. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm, there's no one that wants us to just ha- be in this like coaching limbo. No, but I think we're seeing the result of, of it. <laughs> like, um, there's, I mean, there's obviously a few different variables, uh, like this, this class below, a, you know, younger than the Herrera glad class. Um, 
you know, Ochoa was a, a key member of that, but, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And so then there have been players that are around that age that have moved uh, into other leagues, but it's like, we clearly just haven't been investing in the youth because I don't think anyone right now feels like they have the runway to do so. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if Elliot feels that way. But like this club hasn't come out and explicitly said like they're focused on developing players in a while. That that was a thing that Deloitte and Andy Carroll would say because they were using that as a way to not spend money on players. Um, yeah, and they were also incentivizing Petkey to play players. Yeah, th- th- like, there was that huge contract bonuses. Which, to be fair to that whole idea, like we're kind of seeing the benefits of that now. We totally. our players just like aged out of that, but yeah, Herrera but, and Glad benefited from that a lot. Yeah, and Pecky was how many years ago at this point? Like, yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying. He played yeah. a lot of kids that were 21, 22 at the time, and now they're 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's Herrera and Glad, and there's a couple others like that was Brooks Lennon, who's now yeah doing good things for Atlanta, and that's Corey Baird, who's trying his best in Houston. He just scored a really, really, really nice goal for Houston. He He's a weird really player. Good, good for him. Uh, it was an incredible pass also to him, but, but we uh, got a, a big lump of money for Corey Baird. Yeah, that was he a was that was a good bit of like, league business. That kind of stuff worked out. Yeah, but we're not playing the kids now. So in three years, when we're trying to make some money off some trades, we don't have any players that are like easy and cheap and developed that we can flip and turn into money. Yeah, and yeah, it, I sucks. mean, I think we've got some promising like a little too young of players right now with the monarchs mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, will eventually bridge that gap. Oh, I, I guess they won't be they're like the other side of that gap, I guess. And we don't have anyone to bridge it. So, um, it might get weird for a little, <laughs> a little while. And then with just our extreme hesitance on playing Diego Luna, and we'll get into it more, I guess, when we talk about the next game. Um, but Diego Luna has been doing a lot of good things for this club lately, but they're still, Pointing to fitness as being like a reason why he's not getting a lot of time. I don't. There's no way. I, there's no way. <laughs> I, I just don't like, buy he's it. He's been here for long enough. He was playing before. It wasn't like he, we got him in, like, it's not a Masovsky situation where, like, yeah. we got him and he was injured at the time and he needed three or four weeks to recover. And then now he's probably getting back fit. Like, he was playing games. Yeah. And then we signed him and then he was playing games and he's playing for the U20s. Like, <laughs> There's, there's he was playing this game for the U20s when we signed him. Like he he signed maybe while he was with the U20s playing games, yeah. or it was yeah, literally, it was. oh yeah. So yeah, he came it's, home it's playing. He was playing every game. He played every game for the U20s, and in, in the I don't I can't remember what tournament that was, but like, um, oh, if it was Olympic qualifiers, and they qualified for the Olympics, so he was playing well against like pretty good competition, and he's playing full games or whatever, close to it, and then we. Mm-hmm. Couldn't see him on the field without it being. And then, yeah, anyway. So that is a concern I have. And I feel like it's directly related to the fact that we're stuck in the the coaching uh, limbo thing. Because, and sadly, I think we're still in it. So, yeah. Um, so we'll get to this a little more when we talk about the Cincinnati game uh, with Pablo Ruiz. But we've seen a trend of like major individual errors. Yeah. And it it uh, it reminds me of the Pecky era when things were going really poorly and it became really easy to say, well, so-and-so didn't perform last game. Mm-hmm. And so-and-so didn't perform the game before that. And Sam Johnson is in this team and Alfredo Artunio. And 
just having like one player to point at and say, this is why, this is why we lost. It was Johan Kapelhoff. He wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, But I think it instead points to like, we're leaving players exposed in the way we choose to play. And we're choosing to play this way. And I, I had a long thread about it on, on Twitter and we can get yeah. to that. Yeah. And I, I know we like wanted to mention Pablo's comments after the Austin game. So yeah. Oh yeah. Gite comes in and just destroys us. We lose three zero. My coworker was at that game, said it was really fun. Apologized to me for the outcome. I said it was fine. Um, <laughs> and I hope that he had fun, but uh, Pablo like, so like, this was the game immediately after our last, after the DC game where we were very frustrated by Pablo's very like lackadaisical attitude about that result, which was an objectively worse result than losing in Austin. But um, in any case, Pablo was Pablo was very mad after this game and he's t- he took aim at the players who subbed into the game, if I remember correctly, which was interesting because I think it was pretty clear that Kapelhoff lost his mark um, and was attributed to an error that I think caused, I think their first goal, maybe another one too. I can't remember, but it was interesting that Pablo, when he got as mad as he did, didn't say anything about Kapelhoff. He was talking about the players that subbed into the game and that they, uh, and I, you know, I, I don't, I, I think that the players that were subbed into the game weren't really subbed into, uh, into sensical positions. Uh, Justin Miram coming in for Diego Luna as like a, attacking central attacking midfielder in a five, three, two was weird. I can't even remember where Danny came into. It was, it was all, it was all very confusing. Danny was a swap for Anderson Julio. So he pretty much just slotted into forward. Okay. And then, but we still had, I mean, and then something that just, I like has been just kind of eating at me is that we're, we've seen a pretty big downturn in the production we're receiving from Savarino who, is still getting an assist here and there. Hasn't scored for quite a few games now. Um, the assists that he's getting are a lot of them are like crosses <laughs> um, like this last one, but we have been playing him out of position. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like he, he's been playing as a second striker, which I, you know, he's, he's a winger. Um, and I know that there are some people that like him more there, but it, I don't know. And There's he might develop that skill set, right? Maybe he will. Yeah, uh, but like, but he's not there. Don't do that. Like, we're not trying to develop Savarino. He's not a 19 year old like phenom. Like, he's a finished product. He's a winger. Also, he, here's his my best thing. position, and then get somebody else to play as a second striker if that's what you want to do. Like, play Danny Musovsky there. Like, is that what he is? Isn't he a striker? If we're not going to play Rubio Rubin, can we play the guy that we signed? Yeah. Like, I'm just really is... confused about that. Like, we continue to play Sovereigno seemingly unnecessarily because Anderson Julio, I think, is also like a pretty decent second striker just due to his like work rate. Um, and the fact that we are so insistent on crossing when uh, yeah, Jefferson Sovereigno is not going to win aerial duels against tall center backs. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to play him at a, as a second striker, why are we not playing to our best player's strengths like at all? Um, that's very confusing to me. This is a conversation that I had. I feel like I had it with Ginny and Ryan and maybe Ian. 
at post game. I don't remember who I talked to, but I was talking to somebody at the end of the Cincinnati game, and it just feels like what Pablo is doing when he's putting a team out on the field is he sees a weak spot. In this case, we're talking about like the second striker, and he's like, well, let's put a good player there. Yeah. Let's put Saverino there, and then we're going to fill in the wing with, instead of putting our best player, Saverino, at his best position there, since we have to put Saverino in a weak spot, we have to put somebody who's not as good as Saverino on the wing, and we're just filling in every position with somebody who's not as good as somebody else, or we're trying to like make somebody do something that isn't their skill set. Yeah. And that's the problem with this whole roster is there's so little difference between the best player on the roster and like the worst players on the roster or the middle level players that you don't have a player that's like, okay, this guy is going to play this position. Like, I think we do though with, uh, with Saverino, with Diego that's what I'm Luna. We don't like, do that. We have yeah. players that we probably should do that with. Yeah, absolutely. We should be like Saverino's the best player and he's best at the winger position. So let's put him there and then we'll fill in the rest of the gaps. Who's the, who's our best striker? If it's Cordova, fine, but let's just say it's Cordova. Cordova is going to play striker and we want to play a system with an attacking midfielder. Who's our best attacking midfielder? Diego Luna? Let's put him there. Who's our best right back? Aaron Herrera? Let's put him there. Who's our best left midfielder? Whatever. But work from that point of view of like building a team putting a team out on the field rather than like well we're weak here so let's just move our best player over there and he can probably do better than our second best player at that yeah or our best player at that position because it just makes the whole thing you're just filling in weaknesses and you're creating weaknesses by filling in these weaknesses and it's just so frustrating to see that happen like put sovereigno where sovereigno should be played where he's happy to play it seems like that should be a very easy thing to do but consistently over the last several weeks, we haven't done that. We've been trying to put a square peg in a round hole when we should just put the square peg in the square hole and put the round peg in the round hole. And if that team that if you put that team out there and it's still not good enough, then go get better players. You're not going to yeah. make a better team by putting players out of their best position. I mean, just look at our record since we changed the like the location of uh, Saverino's position. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, I, it's yeah. not o- only attributed to that, but it's like I, I saw Spenno talking about on Twitter. Like he just made like a comment after the last game where it's like they've been they've been tweaking with too much, and it's yeah. like yeah, like Pablo has completely overthought himself with. Uh, with Saverino in particular, <laughs> like yeah. play him in his natural position and things will be better. He was doing really well playing his natural position. I don't know why he decided to change things like he did. Um, Do you want to but, know the first day we played him as a, as a second striker? No. July 18th against Kansas city. Good game. Awful team. Although they've suddenly yeah. turned into like one of the best teams in MLS and <laughs> form, which is yeah. Very distressing. Uh, and he had a goal there, and then he had a goal against San, Kansas, uh, sorry, San Jose a couple weeks later. Sure. Uh, and then from there, it's gone complete, almost completely dry. Uh, and we still sporting, stuck at, at supporting striker, second striker. The sporting Kansas City game, July 17th. I'm not going to count how many games ago that was, but that was our third most recent win. So we won that game. And since then, we have won two out of rough guess 15 games 
I think we've won four of our last 17 in total. One, two, three, four, five, is, is six, what I, seven, I think eight, as of this last 10, game. 11, 12. So it was 12 games ago. So in the last 12 games, we've won three. <laughs> yeah. And if you go back further, it looks worse. So. 13, 14, 15, 16, well, 17 was the next win. Yeah. Yeah. So it's four. And then and that was, that was basically the end of our really good run of form in the middle of the season where we had four wins out of five games. Yeah. Five wins out of seven games. <sighs> yep. And then it just went into the toilet from there. <laughs> and like, we can't say that Savarino is the reason. No. But we can't say no. that playing him in a position where he like isn't going to win. I mean, let's get into it a little bit. So Zach McMath, I think, exhibits the statistic that is most meaningful for the way our season's gone. Yes. I have a long thread about this on Twitter. You can go read it if you want. But we launched the ball from goalkeeper more than any other team in MLS. And it's not close. We're 35% higher than the team closest to us, which is New York Red Bulls. Not a team anyone should be looking to, to imitate right now, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and they, they, have they, had a cu- they had a couple kids on the under 22 thing. Yeah, so good like for they're them. doing something's kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not winning games for sure. Uh, <laughs> 65% higher than the average team in MLS. I also did medium team and it's roughly the same number. So that is, that, that is pretty wild. I got, I mean, yeah. That was I, something that you, you tweeted that stat and I was like, yeah, that makes sense that we do because yeah. we definitely do do that. Like that's something I've seen, but I didn't realize how insanely drastic it was. Like <laughs> compared yeah. to other teams, yeah. I mean, like, like, there are so many times when uh, it's like, okay, we're passing the ball or back around, and we end up just passing it back to Zach McMath, who uh, really just—I mean, obviously—just clears it, launches it, as the stat says. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because it's like. Like, why, why not just have the defenders do that if that's just what is going to happen? But also, um, Zach McMath has gotten scored on <laughs> at least two or three times this year because his uh, passing out of the back has been terrible. So now yeah. we're even more just like reliant on him just blasting it instead of trying to uh, play it out of the back. So and, and didn't you maybe you didn't tweet about this, maybe somebody else, but isn't the stats of like our recovery of launched balls or our like a launch ball from McMath ends up in the opposition hands, like the majority of the time. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's it's effectively a turnover. A, a launch is uh, generally like a 25 to 35% success uh, stat, regardless of goalkeeper, like just in general, across just the in general. And that's the stat we've put like that, that we dominate in MLS. Yeah, we dominate at turning the ball over. <laughs> Instead of turning the ball over from like a midfield player to a midfield player, we're just giving it to a midfield player. Yeah. So like yeah. maybe that's slightly better than a turnover in the midfield, but it's, it's, so, turnover, it's so, so much more guaranteed turnover in the midfield. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the other point that you made in that thread was that like we're just giving away possession way more often than any other team. Yeah, and you don't get 65% higher than average without it being intentional, right? Yeah. That's it's consistent across the season. If it were not intentional, you'd take corrective action, you'd imagine, right? And yeah, somebody would notice it and be like, hey, we're doing this a lot. Let's try to stop that activity. Yeah. And if, if you remember when Mastroini took over, one of the first things he did 
aside from going to the three five two after saying he wasn't going to do anything major. <laughs> yeah. Um, was he <laughs> told the team to stop passing it back to David Ochoa so much? And then I yeah. look at our stats now, and the it's it's baffling. Like I, I don't. You mean get to it. say that Pablo is not consistent in his <laughs> speech versus what happens on the field? I think that's fair to say. So to bring this back to Saverino, because that's what kind of where I, where we started on this, Saverino like is not a player that's going to win headers in no. in the attacking third, right? Like just yeah, no one on this team is at this point. Yeah, um, and generally that's regarded as kind of the norm. Yeah, and you do that as a release valve. So either we're viewing it as a means of attack. Or we need to hit that release valve constantly. And neither is good. It's. Yeah. It's very upsetting. I did. I used well, to think stats were fun, but now I hate I'm them. Gl- <laughs> I'm glad you've joined the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, I knew it, but I thought you were going to bring up when Pablo first came here that where he was talking about, um, or no, I guess that wasn't when he was here, when he was talking about how like stats aren't, important yeah <laughs> stats Unless aren't what XG he relies on he he's relies on xg at the time right yeah he's pro xg if he thinks that the team was good that is true that is yeah. something that we've seen he loves stats when they say that his team played well but when they say his team played poorly or when it it's it's like when when he can say like the ball the balls didn't bounce our way if we had a good xg then the ball didn't bounce our way yeah mm-hmm. Anyway. Rather than like with when you look at XG over time and the like, as we've seen, you know, we were out outperforming at XG in the beginning of the season, I believe, because mm-hmm. um, we had a lot of defenders scoring and that's all dried up, um, and uh, you know, those things they 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 level out over time and they certainly have, and it's pretty clear this team is not scoring a lot of goals or scoring or creating enough chances to score goals because they, these things are just mystical, like the wind. Um, so we can look at Demir. Which also cannot be explained by science. Many people will argue. We'll, we'll talk about it in the next game, but I was going to make the comment that we did have the ref calls this <laughs> time true. that led to us getting goal scoring chances. That's yeah. right. We, we had one of those elements that we needed. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so you look at a player like Demir Krylik and, and you can see that what he did was important because it led to like goals being scored that shouldn't have been scored, right? Yeah. By by statistical averaging. And that's great. You need players who can do that, but you need more than that. It's like the, the best teams in MLS do outscore their XG. Like, I'm looking at it now, and LAFC and Philadelphia Union both roundly outscore their XG. Um, but, like, you you can't rely on that all the time. And we outperformed our XG by, like, eight goals last year. And there's a great article on RSL Soapbox about that um, by Samuel Clark. Uh, but we outperformed our XG and, like, snuck into seventh place last year. Yeah. It's not like we had Demir Kryuk and we went from a third place team to a to an eighth place team. 
Yeah. Like we, we lost Amir Krylik and we're still in roughly the same position we ended last year in. Yeah, that was kind of a point I wanted to make about everybody who was like, well, we didn't have Demir this year. And Demir would have made a big difference. And my argument to that would be like, well, Demir had like an insane outlier year in terms of like goals scored. Mm-hmm. And like the idea that like that was repeatable, pro- probably not true. Yeah. Like it's a good argument to be like, that wasn't going to happen again. And he didn't yeah. play all year. So like it, it's a moot point and we're just spot- speaking in hypotheticals. But like, I, like you said, we played without Demir this year and we're in virtually the same spot at the end of the season. So I'm not convinced that like our spot or our poor form or our bad XG or like any of that stuff is a symptom of like not having Demir. I mean, so we, the thing that made the difference that's making the difference right now is that we want, we've won a lot of games this year, especially towards the beginning of the season. Well, exclusively that were made. The, the difference was made by defender scoring goals. And then we brought in Sovereigno who I think created who we didn't have last year. Obviously we did have Albert last year. Didn't have Sava. Um, who's created, you know, I think, uh, game winning plays. Um, so I mean, last year, if, or, uh, you know, assuming that we don't get these defending, these defender goals that we got this year, I mean, I think we'd be in slightly worse shape, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Like we've had other players step up at times. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much different it really would have been to have Demir this year. Like maybe. Maybe he does make the difference in, in some games, but I, I don't know. We've always been playing him out of position anyway, so it's like hard for me to really <laughs> understand yeah. what his like actual um, like relied upon impact can be. And especially with no Albert either. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's not surprising to me. Like I, I think it also speaks to the fact that I think we really underperformed last year because we were in much better positions at times in the season last year, and we absolutely just skidded into the playoffs like we... Um, like we might this year, not sure yet, but, um, TBD. Yeah. I mean, we saw like the claps we had last year was just unbelievable. Like, I don't know who all was at that San Jose game. I know Matt and I were there and Trevor, I think you were there too. I don't know. It was like a daytime game and like Kate Cowell scored like 17 goals on us or something. Um, it was just like insane. So I don't know. I, yeah. This team just has a bunch of problems right now. Yeah, and and instead of acknowledging those problems, we've got Pablo Mastroeni coming out like in a blind rage after losing on the road. But he talked like a cheery, you know, that just didn't quite go our way after we drew zero, like drew zero zero against the worst team in the league. <laughs> it really that's really bad. I'm just like gonna say it. It felt like like fake anger and maybe maybe that was it it felt like he was just mad about the situation and he just wanted to like show passion or show energy or show like something i don't yeah i was i was thinking when it happened i was like great we've got an upset pablo now we're gonna get upset pablo re-motivated to rally the troops or whatever and then Mm -hmm. we had the next game and his post game then was just the same thing. Oh, no, it didn't go our way. Sorry, guys. Like he wasn't still mad after another poor performance. Yeah, I get, so like I just, a more important performance, and then again at home. I yeah, it's just like so. I don't. 
care yeah. that he was angry after Austin. Like it doesn't matter because it, it, it didn't carry over. It didn't like, it wasn't the right time to be angry in the context of the DCU game. And it didn't carry over into the Cincinnati game. Yeah, it, It's just like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because Pablo, you can't really make much of anything that he says or does, especially in the post game. Um, and he's just very much a Zen like person anyway. So maybe he like, I don't want to say lost control for a minute, but like maybe he just regained his Zen and his, his chill attitude <laughs> at the end of the Cincinnati game. But like, I would prefer a coach be upset when they're expected to be upset. Like I want a coach to be upset when I'm upset. Yeah, that would be, that would be nice. And when it, you're not upset when I'm upset and then you get upset and then you go back to not being upset, it just, it feels very much like you're not, you're just putting on a show. And that's, yeah, I was that's confused. what it felt like. I was confused by the Austin response just because I, like I was already, I was just kind of exhausted myself with how upset I was over the DC United game that I was like, I didn't care about the outcome of that game. Obviously I wanted us to, to win. I thought that'd be cool to like, I mean, and we were playing really well and I was like, Oh, like this is, this is looking promising. So it's, I, I understand it being dis- really disappointed after playing really well for 60 minutes and then letting that go. So maybe his anger was really just fueled in the fact that he thought they thought we had it, but like, it's just so what? confusing to me where like in contrast to the DC United game, when I felt like obviously the stakes are way higher uh and the team i mean i guess the stakes were the same but the expectations were way higher because it's the worst team in the league and you're at home in a must-win game situation and versus that one of the best teams in the league on the road like yeah yeah getting a result at austin would have been nice but nobody was asking for or expecting that right yeah yeah no, no certainly not the, the, the bigger issue for me sorry trevor do you want to go ahead so the bigger issue for me is that i think he's mad at the wrong things yeah. like we can look and say, yeah, the substitutes weren't good enough. But Austin, but Austin scored before those substitutes even stepped on the pitch. Yeah. Right. And it, it it was incisive. It was quick. And RSL looked like they were struggling. And it all came down to like that set of three subs and just not having a like a good response to it. And I'm not saying like you've got to sub in players to make, you know, to match, I don't think that's always the right solution. But like having your team ready to adjust and, fle- and flexible when you need them to be and like playing in a smart way is too much to ask for this team. Well, and this might be like stupid fan thinking, but like he made the subs. <laughs> yeah. He put those players on the field. Like in response to what was happening and he put those guys in i don't think it was in it, response honestly I like I, I think you're probably right but putting it's Scott really well on in yeah. like down to zero like having a glimmer of hope still out shooting austin or hold on yeah. you didn't put scott caldwell on on austin oh was that, not play that, game? that was this that was the that Cincinnati, was Cincinnati game where he came oh out. yeah but either oh, way like no. you're getting mad that like you took off the players that were performing well and you put on other players and then everything kind of went worse from there it was like kind of, what, what did you expect dude like you can't get mad at you t- he took off diego luna and to be honest like i felt that was like the turning point in the game where it went from rsl playing well enough to like compete and like yeah, Austin scored, but they're going to score, but we still had a chance. 
until Diego Luna came off. And once he came off, it was like, oh, we're, we just got way worse. And I get being mad at the players for maybe not being ready or whatever, but don't come out and be like, our substitutes were bad. Like you put them on the field. You're the one that's talked all year about looking in their eyes and seeing if they're ready for it and put the guys out there. And if they didn't perform, like you have to take responsibility at some point for some aspect of this. He still has yet to take any responsibility for like any of it. It feels like. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? I I posted a quote in, in Slack, uh, intending to not read it on air. Um, (laughs) But if you know Macbeth and you know the line about sound and fury, uh, I just I don't think it's polite to call coaches idiots on a podcast. So I'm notably not doing that. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's all. Let's talk about Cincinnati. The game I keep calling Nashville, by the way. So, yeah, you actually did that when you also saw that Nashville played someone else earlier. I can't remember. Do they have the same? Cincinnati is orange and Nashville is yellow. So I don't I don't know. Close enough. Uh, yeah, so we had a home game, which we should I should mention the positives. They all took place before the game, I should say, or like most of them. Uh, <laughs> not anything to do with the play on it, the field. It but. was the homebrew competition. Uh, it was a really fun time in the supporters lot for this game. Tons of people there. It was really good. The uh, um, <clears throat> It was Hispanic Heritage Night, and there was a mariachi band playing in the parking lot before. They ended up playing at halftime, I think, to an audio track, which... Uh, it's kind of confusing to me. I don't really fully understand all the decisions that go into that, but whatever. The same audio uh, track uh, was used when they played at the Rail Monarchs game. Yeah. So. I imagine it probably had, I mean, does me making excuses for people again, but I imagine it had something to do with like getting microphones to work in a stadium and having like, you'd have to have four or five or six microphones and the sound system already sucks a lot. So sure. Like, I feel like it was a decision. It might've been a decision that's like, this is going to be bad one way or the other. Let's just choose <laughs> the less bad well, sounding try one? to choose which one we think might be less bad sounding. Sure. Which is, like, yeah. Again, yeah. it's unfortunate, sure. but I'm it's unfortunate. It's again, like not good enough, but I feel like it's just, it is what it is. That's one of the big problems with the stadium and everybody knows it is that the sound system sucks. And I don't yeah. think that played into anybody's favor with yeah. this. Anyway. anyway, they played live in the supporters lot they and they did. sounded they were great. really good. Loved that. Um, the tacos were firing. All the friends were there. It was great. Had a, had a, had a very lovely time pregame uh, before the game. So uh, lineup comes out. We're back to the three, five, two. Uh, we're playing um, Aaron Herrera as right center back. Again, we have Diego Luna. Central attacking midfielder, we have, I think, I, just pretty much the normal smorgasbord up top uh, and around the field. I can't remember. Didn't Miram start that one? He, no, no. Well, he, was he came in as a sub, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I want to actually pull that up because I, let's see. Um, Miram came in as a sub in the 65th minute along with Anderson Julio. Oh, yeah. So we had Luna and Michael Chang were Paolo taking Lafelson in the midfield, Brody left wing, Chang right wing, Luna central attacking midfielder, Sovereign on Cordova up top. So, <laughs> kind of a hectic uh first half, you'd say. Um, Chang ends up getting the goal 
in the 35th minute after playing really poorly himself. Um, I thought Chang was, I, I don't know if it's the, I don't know. I've been kind of frustrated with Chang lately and I thought that his service was particularly weak this game. Yes. Um, he was fit, struggling to get the ball past like the first defender when we were, when he was trying to cross the ball, like multiple occasions, uh, which was pretty frustrating to see. But then I think I remember like complaining about him and like his bad crosses. And then we have this moment where we take advantage of a quick throw in or we throw it to Saverino. Who's just like, s- s- like standing right on the goal line, um, just outside of like somewhere inside the six pretty much, or just outside the six. Um, and he crosses the ball into Chang, who gets a nice little headed goal. So that was great to see. And then, uh, and then a bunch of bad stuff happened. Where um, I think the first goal was the first goal the the Pablo Ruiz tackle one, or was that the second? One? I think it was the second one where he just like missed the tackle, where he like lazily put in like a challenge that he was never going to get. Anyway, um, yeah, so they. They score in the 44th. Brenner scores, who's just been playing really well for them um, and is a good player, it turns out. And then we oh, and there was like some VAR early on, too. Like right after we scored, they got a penalty called in their favor, uh, which was a very weird call from what I could see. Oh, yeah, Um, it was. I remember. Yeah, it was Brenner went into the box to chase a long ball or a long pass, I think got to it and two defenders got to him at the same time. And like, he was just in the middle of two defenders and fell over. Yeah. What like, was, I, I think Matt pointed this out, but like, it was kind of concerning how quickly and easily they got into like our box immediately after we scored, but it's, it's fine. They didn't get the penalty. So no, no harm, no foul. And then right after they score, we get a penalty called in our favor uh, which I believe I can't even remember what the the what it, like did their keeper take someone to, their oh their keeper yeah, took Cordova. Cordova down yeah um, Cordova, yeah I think it was Cordova yeah it was Cordova because he, he earned the penalty he got the ball was going away from goal and just like put it past the keeper and keeper cleaned him out like it was a very clear and easy call just a a, a big mistake on the goalkeeper's part too like Cordova was not getting to that ball it, yeah it was a well it was a it. It was a mistake from Matt Miazga, who played a really bad pass oh. back to their keeper and then their keeper for just taking out court. <laughs> the whole thing was very weird. Um, so, yeah, that was good. But then Pablo Ruiz stepped up to take the penalty and took a not great one. And uh, keeper guessed the right way and uh, it was saved. So that sucked. And then it was halftime. <laughs> a great and way then, to halftime. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't rewatch this one. I just watched it from the stands. It felt like Pablo. I saw. I've, I've caught clips. It felt like Pablo Ruiz didn't have a very good first half. Uh, I think there was when they scored their first goal. Uh, I think it was a pretty just a big failure on marking in general. Um, from like all of our players, like our midfielders didn't track the uh, Brenner in the box. And there was just really poor communication. We had like four defenders marking two players and Brenner was just sitting there wide open. He's like, you know, a very dangerous player. So that was a confusing choice on our part to leave him open inside the box. But who am I to judge? It's probably fine sometimes. Um, And then uh, in the second half, we took out Jasper Loffelsund, who was playing really well. 
And from what I like, I've, I've been reading a bunch of MLS stuff and I listened to extra time radio this week. I was curious what Matt Doyle's thoughts were on this game. Um, I disagree with him in that he, I think he likes uh, Sovereno as a second striker. I don't have, I don't see the evidence that would point to that being a good idea, but he, he was talking about how the game changed quite a bit when, uh, uh, Jasper comes out in the at, at halftime, um, which seemed like an unnecessary substitution, I guess, at the moment. Like we don't make a lot of halftime subs and to take out a guy like if you're going to if you really want to bring in Ojeda, I guess I would have assumed maybe it would have been uh, Pablo instead, who I felt like was having the weaker game. But yeah, it, um, yeah. when that sub happened, I said it like it didn't like Jasper wasn't the problem. No, he absolutely I, I, wasn't. There was some things that weren't working and it wasn't Jasper. So I don't, I didn't understand him taking off that off at all. Yeah. I, I could see that Jasper and Ojeda seem at least in the current way we play to play the same role. Duplicative. Yeah. I can sure. see that. Maybe that's and it. That's but fair. But that he it talked feels, about what it was. So yeah, he, he about talked that? about it and we'll talk about it. But my problem with it, with that is like, what problem are you fixing by putting Ojeda on it really yeah. seemed like the plan was we've got to get Ojeda right. on at halftime yes right. we're yeah. coming off like day. no matter how good or bad you or the team are playing like that's the plan <laughs> and yeah. I just it there were there were problems going on in the field and it Jasper wasn't it yeah so in that respect it was a silly sub and then Savarino gets like a descent yellow card which was new I think haven't seen him get a lot of those uh not a lot that was that was fun, and then we make uh, a series of substitutions in the 65th minute, where we bring on Miram for Chang, and we bring on Julio for Diego Luna. Which again, wasn't not the problem. problem. Yeah, Diego Luna was uh, one of our more positive players in the first half, and up until he was subbed out, where he had two really good shots, both just nearly off target, um, but looked really dangerous and looked uh, like. A competent player in the midfield which i think we sometimes struggle to have um yeah so uh and then they make some more substitutions on their end they bring in kubo gaddis and santos and then we have a moment where uh i think the worst of the pablo ruiz moments where he puts in a really like half-ass challenge in the midfield and uh, ends up letting them essentially just create a really easy scoring chance that Brenner buried to make it two one. And then, mm-hmm. oh, I have some thoughts here. Okay, please. Or, or I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Please. Do you know who the player that has dribbled past the most in MLS is? I do know this one. I do because we've talked about this. But let's for, for a second, Kyle. Let's pretend <laughs> we don't. Go ahead. Ask the question. Do you know who the player who is most dribbled by in MLS is? Well, it's got to be it's got to be a player that like <laughs> is involved in the midfield and is not very good. I'll give you a hint. Defensively, we're just talking about. <laughs> yeah, oh my uh, goodness, is it Pablo Ruiz? Two goals, that's, two times a game. That's a pretty damning statistic for a player in that position. Yeah, well, one of them all season. One of them directly led to their their second goal. Yeah, and it was tough tough to watch. Uh, honestly, it didn't didn't. Didn't enjoy it. No. Um, so yeah, that was that was really, really frustrating. And then it was kind of just us 
being desperate again for the last uh, 15 minutes of this game where, you know, we're sending McMath up on corners. Got, got on the end of one, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't a good header, but it, he got a header. Better um, header than I would have done. So good yeah, for Yeah, that, that is, that's probably true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, you have the crowd just like desperate for a, a draw against Cincinnati uh, at home. At home. <laughs> In the playoff race, and uh, you're sending you're sending your keeper up with three games left to go. Like a keeper going up, like it's a desperate move, and I get it. There's a time and a place, but like it's really a symbol of like this is must win. We we must score here. We're this desperate that we're gonna like, yeah. That's what it is, and we've got two more games left, and we're just trying to get into the playoffs. This isn't the <laughs> Western Conference final, like. Yeah we're at home against Cincinnati who do respect as a good team, but like, they're not like a world beater. And they do have the coach. We almost hired it. Oh yeah, they do. That's right. We had the chance to hire Pat Noonan and we didn't, that was Ooh. good job. Good jobs all around. Instead I, we're three games away sending up the goalkeeper to potentially save our season with two games left after this to go. Like it's just such a bad look for like the mentality and like the place that this team is in the season. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's no, so bad. it's, I think about the Noonan thing a lot just because I like, I think about Philadelphia. I think about the Philadelphia union a lot as like a team that would be good to like emulate the way that they um, roster build, the way that they like set up their, their team week in and week out with like their focus on development and their success in exporting players also. Uh, and I just was like, man, like, it'd be great to hire someone from that organization. <laughs> and then I forgot that Noonan was an assistant there. I, or I, I remembered that he was. So, yeah. Anyway, I just, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to end up being like an amazing coach, but I just, I'm like, hmm. Be great oh, that, if, was, that was such a miss. Like, it, it, like, I, yeah, it's hard for me to say it. Like, of course, he's only been there like since the beginning of this season. But it's just like, I don't know if you have like your eyes on the future. seems like picking a guy from like a a club that is really good at that stuff. Well, and he took, I mean, Cincinnati was the worst team in the league for three years in a row. And like not worst team in the league, like barely they squeaked in. Like, like they, they set were, records for being the worst team. They were the, the worst team the league has ever seen for three years in a row. And he came in in year one, like they're not going to win a championship in this year, next year. But like he came in and all of a sudden, like they're competitive. Yeah. I mean, they just beat us at at home. And granted, like there was some other stuff that went around that. Like they they signed some good players. They signed Acosta. They got Brenner in and Vasquez has turned into a revelation. Well, yeah, like like, look what he's helped get out of Vasquez. Vasquez was there before. We we could have signed Luciano Acosta. We could have. We, We were in for him. We we got Kapelhoff instead, so that was good. <laughs> well, and it, it goes back to the the Kapelhoff hold, and then you could extend it to a Rosco thing. Like we're giving opportunities to like a guy that may not be good enough for this roster, instead of developing a guy who is not currently good enough for this roster. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot. Yeah. Going back to emulating the union thing, there's an awful lot that union are doing right. And it's very easy to like look at the best team in the league and be like, hey, we should do more of that. Yeah. Like that's not a, a hot take in any way. But like it's true. There's at the very least, 
we could do one of the things that they're doing right. Like they're doing from several different aspects. They've got a coach that clearly has a vision and, and like knows how he wants to play and has been doing it for several years. And he's consistent and a good coach and they've built their roster to fit that way. And you know, they're developing youth players. So they're like, they're firing on all cylinders and they deserve credit for that. But I would like us to do just one of those things. We're not doing any of those things. And some of them, it just seems like, like, I think it was Doyle. Somebody on Twitter was talking about just like how effective some teams are at scouting players um, that they sign from overseas <laughs> and how ineffective some teams are at signing players from overseas. <laughs> And it, all it takes is just like investing in a scouting and analysis department. Like there's several teams that have signed players that nobody's ever heard of, but they come over and they do wonders because somebody looked at it and looked at the numbers and was like, this player can help us do this better. And that's going to make us a better team. And Philadelphia is one of those players. They brought in several players that over the years that nobody had ever heard of that were playing in Poland or wherever they were playing. And they were really good players. Yeah, Brenner's from uh, was playing in Brazil, I believe, before this. Yeah, I'm but. thinking of. Um, I don't know if this no, is the best they, example, but I'm thinking no, of Harris. Yeah, they have M- other guys. Madunanin? I don't know how to say his last name. Harris, yeah. the Philadelphia brought in a few years ago, and he w- did good work for him. And then they ended up. Now I think he's with Cincinnati, but mm. either way, like there's a lot of things that are very easy to emulate, and it's like you don't necessarily have to be the best at it. You've just got to like do it i mean like you just have to invest in some things yeah and yeah anyway like are we active yeah like i mean it's it's pretty clear we don't have a robust scouting department at this point yeah we have luke mohall and team scout yeah Uh, and then there's one other guy with him who maybe he's great i don't know anything about him yeah it's just like we i mean like what are we we haven't seen you know the uh success from that scouting department yet i guess yeah uh we've signed our not first pick guys in this last window and we brought back players we already knew were good so a player we knew was good (laughs) remember how elliot said that we were going to have several people come back from injuries that were going to feel like new signings and then those guys didn't come back from injuries i'm shocked just shocked (laughs) i'm i'm kind of i'm i'm honestly pretty frustrated that there was like so much hope given to Demir coming back. Yeah. yeah. In particular, like me, like, I don't know what's going on with Bobby, but like, I, I mean, I don't want to be like, Ooh, I called it, but it's like, it's a back injury for like an older player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he had sur- back surgery. Like, yeah. We've, we've seen this movie before. Yeah. I'm just, I, I don't He'll know. I didn't like the finals and score. Right. That's it the felt movie. like, it felt like that was, you know, basically just done to be like, stop asking for new signings because we have Demir coming back. Yeah. So stop. Oh, of I think it doesn't matter. Anyway, Cincinnati yeah. game. Just a, a bad game. Do we? Yeah. Then they scored. And then do we talk about the Caldwell substitution? Can we just mention that real yeah. quick? Please. Uh, Paulo Ruiz, who had not a very good game. And at the time when RSL is down 2-1 at home. Um, in a game where like we desperately need to win and we need to score a goal at least to tie. Um, Pablo digs deep into his bag of tricks and pulls out 
the old Scott Caldwell for Paulo Ruiz substitution. <laughs> yeah, just a, a completely unambitious substitution, right? And like, I, I get if you need to replace Ruiz, like that makes sense. But if you hadn't made a halftime substitution to take Jasper Leffelson off, you could have subbed on Brian Ojeda in that <laughs> spot instead. Yeah, it was really weird that like, it was like reacting to his own sub that he made earlier in the game. That was a bad idea. Well, so two minutes was... after that, Pablo Ruiz like slided nobody. Yeah. The other thing we could have done, I mean, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, so this is a little unfair, but like we could have not taken off Diego Luna in the 65th minute. Yeah. And then yeah. we would still have Anderson Julio to bring on for Paulo Ruiz in the 78th when you just need attacking players. And like, I don't agree with the idea of like, let's just throw attacking players at the problem. But yeah. like, at least then you're showing like, oh, we need a goal. Let's get goal scorers on the field. Yeah. Well, instead and you're bringing on Scott Caldwell. Yeah. Instead you're bringing on Scott Caldwell, who bless his heart, professional player for Real Salt Lake has not had a good second half of the season as a defensive player and has not had any contribution to this team on offense. I don't think I could uh, be wrong. He, he has two shots on the year. Okay. He's got two. Yeah, you're right. Um, he has 18 assists in his career. He has one from 2018 forward. Yeah. And no, like that wasn't this year, obviously. No, no, just, just a completely like mind boggling. So like just a total give up substitution. Like what? Yeah. And then maybe, three maybe minutes later, it was like made... the rule, like youth soccer where you can sub a player back in after you've taken them out. He's <laughs> like, Oh, I forgot. You can't. Oh no. That. Whoops. No. And then uh, in the 81st minute, um, uh, of course it's the end of the game. Your attacker is tired. You got to bring on somebody with fresh legs. So we brought on Danny Masovsky for Sergio Cordova, which like, Again, no disrespect to Masovsky. He hasn't been here long enough to like earn disrespect, but like that's not an inspiring substitution. No. And you've got Ruby or Rubin on the bench who had a, I think like aside from his misses, had a pretty okay game playing at center forward in the first 60 minutes against Austin, right? Yeah. Like, and yes, his misses were bad and we should judge strikers on their goal scoring efforts. Um, but if you're looking for somebody who can do something in the middle at all, like you can bring on your completely unknown quantity in Misovsky, who has mo- played winger all season, or you could maybe think about Rubio Rubin, and maybe Rubio Rubin does not impress, and that's fine. But I I thought he like had a a decent game against Austin. Yeah. Do you know who? So, sir, Danny Misovsky came on in the eighty first minute for Cordova. Yeah. For Cordova, and then in the 86, Cincinnati made two wow. substitutions, bringing on Ronald Matarita and Dominique Baji. Um, there is a player on the field who played this game who had three touches all game, and it was not the two guys that came on with four minutes to play. It was <laughs> Danny Masovsky who was on the field uh, for ten minutes plus stoppage shoot. time. Yeah, Caldwell yeah. had seven touches. Oh, good for him. Really got involved in that game. You could so, yeah. also just like you you're playing three players in the back. You could push Justin Glad forward and have him play a DM if you need a DM. Like yeah. he has that in his skill set. He's not done it. Oh, Pablo and doesn't would, know that. It would be uncomfortable. <laughs> Pablo has no clue that <laughs> Justin Glad has played defensive midfield in his life. 
<sighs> he didn't know that Johnny Menendez played or preferred to play on the left side. He has no clue that Justin Ladd has that I trick hate in that, his bag. Like, with the doesn't know that he played on the left thing. We either have to choose between he was lying or <laughs> that, that that's true. And I don't know which one's <laughs> worse. I think the I think the lying one is better. I think the lying one is better too. Yeah, I do too. It's just like what the, like <laughs> I'm just like, why do you have to put me in that position where I either have to believe you or think you're stupid? <laughs> and it's one of the two. Oh, well, I know what I think it might be. Uh, so I guess it's either believe you and think you're stupid or think you're a liar. That's a that's the situation. And unfortunately, I have to pick between that. Um, I'm pretty comfortable believing that he's a liar. So I'll just stick with that. We Wait. have said that. He just <laughs> well, he does just lie. Yeah. Okay, no, those. Um, uh, there's another thing we didn't mention. I didn't realize this, but Zach McMath is credited with an error that led to goal. Oh, because he got goal. like, yeah, oh. it was a bad shot. It's because yeah. it was a savable shot and he blew it. Well, and it, it hit his arms, right? Yeah. yeah he, like, the, he got a hand to it. At like least a firm a hand. hand. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was ugly. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's sad never that blame like, him. Well, yeah, when you're that close to the all-star game, it's like you shouldn't receive any type of blame. So, um, yeah, so we lost this game uh, 2-1. And uh, this was the game where the results, and also due to other results, uh, pushed us out of a playoff spot. So that's currently a thing that RSL is not in the playoffs at the moment. Uh, that we our two remaining games are against two teams that are fighting for basically the same playoff spot that we are in the Galaxy and the uh, Portland Trail Blazers. And (laughs) um, yeah, it's just not a great spot to be in. But here we are again, just like last year. Uh, We're really skidding in and it looks like there's a good chance that um, you know, it's going to come down to potentially similar circumstances where we're just going to have to hope the ball bounces our way or whatever. Um, mm. except this time we're going to have to be hoping the ball bounces our way in other games that we're not playing in. So, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not great to be <laughs> here yet again, but I mean, what can you say? MLS marketing that just really wants decision day to be this good every year. So we kind of just have to, we have to do it for him. We owe him a lot. I wish that who scored made it easy to check to see how many errors that led to goal a player was mm. over the course of a season charged with over the co- yeah because I think <laughs> Big Math legitimately has at least three or four. Yeah, like, I don't know what's at, what the average keeper in MLS has to be honest. I don't bet it's. Wonder. I'll bet again. I don't know, but I'll bet he's on the top end of that. I mean. Look, on the above it's, average side. it's really frustrating that we gave up David Ochoa. <laughs> yeah, he has five errors, lead, five mistakes leading to, to an opponent's shot. Okay. Listed on FB Ref. The most of anyone on the team by a, Wait, can, a large uh, margin. Can you remind me how many shots on target Zach McMath faced in this game? <laughs> was it three? Uh, yeah, give it me three. one. Oh. I, so I think, if I remember correctly... 
Uh, Zach McMath has given up five goals in six shots on target in the last two games. That is correct. Okay. Just verifying. <laughs> that is that is not at all untrue. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. I, I remember it being kind of like three and three last game. So, yeah. Yeah. I we mean, did have um, like two Zach Mass credit because we got to be a little bit fair. The couple of games before that, he kind of like he was good. Yeah. Um, DC, I think he faced five or six shots on goal and got saves. And like, that's good. That's what you want out of a goalkeeper. But like consistently yeah. you want that. Zach has had several games throughout the season where it's two or three shots on goal and it's two or three goals. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty frustrating. I mean, but that's I mean, that's to be expected, right? Because like from a player like him at this point, like I, I he hasn't been a starting a starting uh, goalkeeper throughout his career for really long stretches. Right. Like so, that's, that is what he is. And like, I don't. Like I said, I don't want to dogpile on McMath, but like clearly goalkeeping is not a strong suit of this team. <laughs> it would be nice if we had McMath. somebody that we could like rely on or at least understand that if they're making mistakes, like it's because they're a developing player. That'd yeah. be cool. But so, we don't have that. So uh Slonina at uh Chicago, right? Yeah. Uh um, for now. He's yeah. on loan to Chicago, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh has made four errors leading to a shot. According okay. to FBRF. Uh, and he is was born in 2004, if you'd like to feel <laughs> old. That was the year I graduated from high school. So uh, nice. And uh, Zach McMath has five. So, so Zach McMath should have been sold to Chelsea for several million dollars. I would take that in a heartbeat. Well, and yeah, I, would I love can't to think about that it. argument again. I would <laughs> love to see Zach McMath stinking it up for Chelsea and just plumbing awesome. him down the table be the best and like he may be a, a capable mls goalkeeper in some ways uh, i think he's Zach actually has had some some good some really good games for us where yeah. i've been very impressed well, but like week in and week out for a player at like his age and just like skill set like yeah you can't rely on him to stand on his head every game like no and like in order for a team to be successful with the kind of goalkeeper that zach mcmath is like you need to score a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. That's like, kind of been our problem. Like we've had a good defense. Like, I mean, we haven't given up like our, our goal differential isn't that horrific. If when you uh, consider how many goals we don't score. Um, and like, I, I don't know that this has come up a few times in like conversations recently thinking about, you know, Pablo as a coach and, you know, people point to his success as, uh, you know, in that one season in, in Colorado, which was a very good season where they, I don't think they won the supporter shield. They came no, in second, second. Yeah. Yeah. Supporter shield and then lost in the playoffs. Um, but like they couldn't, they could not score goals. <laughs> like yeah. that was yeah. the, it the was problem. Basically they, had. The same. they had a really good defense and they could not score goals. And RSL, like again, the defense has been all season kind of the strength of this team. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that I would agree on the games where we do score goals, sometimes the defense lets us down. Um, like we, we just can't win games one, one zero. Yeah. We don't like have, we're not, we don't really have the, the safety net built in of like what, if, when, when your team scores a lot of goals, you win a lot of games and makes up for shaky defenses in a lot of case because you score so many goals. But this, yeah. if you're a team that like right. could consistently score three goals a game, or has the ability to like put three goals a game. Like you've got a chance in every single game, even if your goalkeeper gives up two goals that he shouldn't have, 
still got a chance in that game. But this team, especially on this run of form, is lucky to score one. I mean, how many goals have we scored in our last like five last, games? Last five games, I can tell you. I can't remember. It's the, been uh, the form guide. Very little. Yeah, rolling. Uh, we, we went one against Cincinnati. We went like zero, three games without scoring. Zero, 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 and then three goals against Minnesota. Yeah, four, and then four in the five-game period before that, and we had one period where we scored ten. Yeah, uh, we and none of them were blowouts. Uh, we beat Austin, Montreal, Houston, lost to Vancouver, then beat the Earthquakes. Is I think our best run of form in the whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I, the I, don't game was good. I don't think it's coincidence. Like, I know that we don't have a tried and true striker. I get that. Do you? Um, <laughs> have we talked about that enough? We we have. And I think that's okay. a failing of the roster. And I get that. But we're scoring like at our XG. So it's not just that we're not finishing shots. We're Roughly finishing the shots, the shots statistically expected of us. And that's the problem for me. Pablo may look and say, hey, we had so much, we had more shots than they did. We won the shots battle. We have a moral victory here. It just didn't happen to go in. But when you have Pablo Ruiz, you know, sending him in from 40 yards out, and some of those might be good occasionally, like those are low probability shots. And it's not just that he's not good at them. It's that no player is good at those shots in a reliable, reproducible way. Yeah. And we just don't do anything reproducible outside of defense. Yeah. That's one of the things that um, I I liked to highlight throughout the year whenever Paulo Ruiz got two or three shots on goal because he was kind of a little bit of a scapegoat for taking those shots and missing them all the time. And like, he's not alone. There's most players... Just like you said, taking it from that spot, miss those shots. Like they don't go towards the goal that often. Yeah. And, and there so can it's, be tactical reasons to do it, right? To draw yeah. the defense a little bit and all that. And yeah. Yada-yada. And so it's nice when he gets two or three shots on frame and it's kind of nice to go against that narrative. But at the end of the day, when we've, when we've got six shots on frame in the game and three of them are Pablo trying from 65, not 65, sorry, 40, 35 <laughs> to 40 yards out. I like to see it though. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not going to score goals. You don't get to be like, that's not the same as getting six headers on corner kicks or, you know, getting six shots from inside the 18. It's sure. very clearly different goal scoring opportunities. And we're pretty good at creating the goal scoring opportunities that don't necessarily <laughs> lead to goals all the time. We're, we're really bad at, at creating yeah. the ones that do lead to goals all the time. Yeah. And like yeah. this isn't like a, a new revelation. Problem. We're not. No, we not saw this problem preseason. Knowledge, yeah. We we have always said that about like this the way we've been playing for the last two years is like this team is not playing in a way that is can create long term success. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're relying on if like we had, yeah like in preseason it was like abundantly clear and we were it was basically like oh. We have players who are injured, players who aren't here. But it's like, yeah, I mean, even if that's the case, you can't plan on, for example, Demir Krylock, just picking a name out of my hat, uh, being available all season. So, like, what are you going to do when he's not good for uh, getting on the end of Aaron Herrera crosses a few times a season? Like, what happens then when you're 
just crossing to Andrew Brody at the back post over and over again, it kind of seems like you don't know how to score with the players you have. <laughs> yeah. And I swear if I have to see another like back post cross to Andrew Brody to compete with like a center back and like get excited in the crowd about it because we got the ball like relatively close to the goal. <laughs> it's just like, it's maddening, but yeah, I mean, I got all my anger out after the DC game. I feel just kind of like I'm I, Trevor and I were talking about this after the game, the Cincinnati game. We're just like bummed uh, and we're bummed because we don't feel I, I'm, I'm mad that like that was like the anger I had to give after that Cincinnati game. And now I'm kind of just like tapped out because um, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not happy with like <laughs> how things are going right now. And I don't see any clear direction for how things are going to like dramatically improve because even if we bring, I mean, maybe we bring in a, a solid striker and everything changes because they just get on the ev- end of everything. They can create scoring chances for themselves. Sovereigno gets played back in his position again because now we have this new striker and maybe like things are like way better. And maybe we have a six, maybe Gustavo Cuellar uh, upholds his end of the bargain and <laughs> signs with us and a tiny water bottle in his hands. But if that doesn't happen, even if that does happen and things get way better then I'd be happy to uh, say I was wrong, but it just like the way we play doesn't feel like we can just slot a new player in and all of a sudden it's going to be yeah fixed. Like it's, it's not a one player solution. And I'm concerned that like the problems that Pablo had in some of those seasons in Colorado the really the, the best season of his career was plagued and eventually they got knocked out because of the exact problem that we're seeing now. Like they couldn't consistently score. So. Yep. And anyway, when yeah. you, I mean, it, it goes right back to like our whole strategy is built around seemingly around getting the ball to Zach McMath to launch it forward, which is, can't, and, we, and can't, like, we can't rehash this because I'm just getting can't. mad about that all over again. That's but not like, like a winning play. It's not a successful play. It's not we, a thing that like is a good thing to do. We can't be surprised that we don't score in good numbers when that's an essential <laughs> part of what we do. Yeah. Intentional or not. Anyway, there needs to be. I feel like I'm saying this because and this is like a thing to say at the end of the season when the season's over. And I know that the season's not over, but like it's over, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think, but that's that's what it feels like. It does it, feel it like really that. like when that Cincinnati like the season ended. When Cincinnati scored that second goal, that like I don't remember if I turned to Jenny or Ryan and said it, but I know I said it to myself. I was like, that's our season. Like, if we can't win this game, and we're not going to score two goals in the next 10, 15 minutes, but if we can't win this game, the season's over. Yeah, like the playoffs are pre- are pretty much gone. We need so many things to happen correctly for RSL in order to make the playoffs at this point. And one of them is to win in LA on the road and it's the other is, in the stands. And the other one is to beat Portland at home. Like we need to win both of those games to have a realistic chance of like, we're not going to, sorry, call me pessimistic or too negative or whatever, but that's, that's not a scenario that's real life, but it's, there are so many things that need to change about this team on a personnel level, on a tactical level, on like so many levels that <laughs> really excited for the off season. No, I am too. And I think this will be like, and I mean, this is another chance for our front office to prove themselves. 
it's devastating to say that with two games left to go in the season because it's not the off season yet. But like, but the playoffs uh, an achievable goal, no less. <laughs> yeah, but like, I'm all. That's where I am mentally. Like, yeah. I that's that was the mood at the end of the Cincinnati game. Like Kyle said, we talked about it. Like the mood was for me anyway. Like, okay, our season's over. Like the rest yeah. of these games, they matter, and like we're gonna root for the team and we want the team to win. But like, yeah. I've seen nothing over the last 12 games that gives me any kind of faith or confidence that like we could score goals or win against two teams that are scoring goals and winning games. We've, we've had a lot of home games um, and we've <laughs> managed to win one a month in August, in July and in June. Did you guys, um, did we talk about and point out um this is something that came up on Twitter and Trey brought it up again. Well, somebody asked Trey about it and he brought up the stat again the about RSL's losses. performances uh, after an RSL loss. And I think Trey was just like, somebody asked him the question about the stat. And so he just posted the stat. He wasn't like trying to cheerlead yeah. for the team, I feel like. Yeah, so I'll cut true. him some slack there. But did we point out that this is two back-to-back losses? Yeah. I mean, we didn't mention it in this podcast, but did yeah. People I mean, realize that, that like this is the first people- time realize that because i mean it's not the first time it's happened under pablo and i think it just was like it doesn't happen very often under pablo first time also first time this season okay yeah so three losses in four games that's like the more important thing to me is like how many wins do we have in the last 17 games Yeah, when we're we're looking at we need to win the next two (laughs) yeah like there are scenarios that we can win one and tie one and get in and I, I believe Matt might be able to correct me if I'm wrong here. I think there are scenarios where we can tie both games and still get in, but those are like really long shots. Yeah. It it would be like historic if we tied those two games and still made the playoffs. I think you're right. Uh, I think it is possible, but we should explore it in more depth in our next episode. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. Well, we do have a game. We play Atlas this week. (laughs) Oh yeah. Really never mind are you guys gonna be there i'm not no. gonna go there for that I will okay. be. i'll be in the press box uh but nice. jenny's in la so i'm just okay. gonna go have a good time i cool. don't well, it's tomorrow night is it yeah, yeah. okay so the rs over i i might go but i i've You'd never have to been buy a, a ticket at this point it, i don't think it's worth it i was not yeah like i don't want to be mean about it but i was not excited about this at all when it was first announced I don't like the idea of the League's Cup. I think I like the idea of Liga MX teams coming and playing. That's fine. Yeah. But the League's Cup thing, especially like at this point in the season, like it's just a massive distraction and it's not something I'm interested in the team. Even if we had a really good team and we had a chance of winning something from it, I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. And now that we don't have a good team and it's also like at the point in the season where it's like our focus needs to be somewhere else. This is just a massive distraction and I just don't care about it like that much more. So I'll give you Sorry. a few reasons to care. Okay. First, you can watch Tomas Gomez in a Real Salt Lake shirt for your very first time. Okay. Um, because he's apparently slated to play the match. I don't know how much of the match, but. Oh, congrats to him. Um, Gavin Beavers and Zach McMath are the other two goalkeepers on the roster. I don't think we see McMath, but you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if we do. I was hoping to see Gavin Beavers play this game. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Is this game going to be televised? Probably. The Uh, Cincinnati versus uh, 
uh, Chivas one was tonight because Dunny was a commentator on it for ESPN. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think ESPN has the rights to these games. Um, you may get a chance to see Zach Farnsworth um, in Also defense. in an RSL shirt. Yeah. Which would be incredible. Um, unfortunately, he will be joined by at least one first team player um, <laughs> because the rest are Andrew Brody, Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera, Eric Holt, Johan Kappelhoff, and Marcelo Silva. The official roster actually had Jasper Leffelsend at defender. He's not, but that's Great. neither here nor there. Um, in midfield, we could see uh, Jude Wellings or Gennaro. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And I'm Nigro. Is, is it just that simple? I think so. Okay. I mean, it's N I G R O. You can't really get too creative with that. Like, <laughs> Can't really work our way around that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's what um, it is. Bodie Hidalgo is there. Uh, and then it's filled out with Nicholas Beezer, which I forget his name is Nicholas, and it makes me laugh every time. Speaking I don't of, know why. I, Nick is not short for anything other than Nicholas, right? Um, Nikolai, I guess. But Nikolai, yeah. But that's a little bit that's also Eastern European. Not so much name. Kansas. Nikolai um, Beezler is pretty good, though. So we will probably see first-team players there. At forward, we can see Axel Kai uh, and maybe Danny Masovsky. Uh, but other than that, we've got Anderson Julio and Justin Mir because everyone else is on international duty. Uh, Tate Schmidt is listed there, but he has COVID. Michael Chang is listed on the roster, but he has COVID. There is a player with a hamstring injury. We might get to know who that is by their lack of appearance tomorrow. So for me, it's a, a chance to see a couple young players and a bunch of first team players play a meaningless match in the run up yeah. to like the tightest pen or the tightest race we could have ended up in. In uh, on the ESPN app, it lists uh, television coverage as ESPN plus. Okay. Oh. So tune in and watch the game there where you can watch RSL whose form is loss, loss, draw, loss, win. Or sorry, that's backwards. Win, loss, draw, loss, loss. Go against Atlas, whose last five games have been draw, loss, 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 loss. Perfect. Um, I do think it's worth pointing out, We just to go back slightly to the two losses in two games, the consecutive losses stat. Uh, do you know the last time we had consecutive losses in MLS regular season play? It was the For end of RSL? last season. It was, was the two of the, so the 32nd and 33rd of 34 games. Second to last okay. and third to last game. So San Jose and Chicago. Um, Chicago. No, that wasn't back to back, was it? Portland. I think so. Portland. Oh, Portland. Portland. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Just something to. So basically, what you're saying is we will make the playoffs because we're going to play a final season game that we're going to get a win at the last minute because we don't get called for a handball. I hope so. If if we have to make the playoffs, there is no better way to do it. Also, it's true. I also think it'd be really funny if. Uh, if like maybe we didn't make the playoffs, but like the Galaxy also didn't, and it was Vancouver, that would be great. That would be a great outcome. Um, I don't. Also weird that we're playing Portland in our second, you know, one of our two last games again. But I don't know. Portland games are always kind of fun. They are. There's Sunday game. Well, uh, there you go. Significant minutes planned for Kai Wellings and Negro, or however it's pronounced uh I, I think it is negro <laughs> he's italian american 
So yeah, wasn't he born in Italy and then like raised here or something uh, like that? I think he was born in New Jersey and then raised in Italy because I think he was like yeah. a Italian youth clubs or something. Uh, he was oh he was raised in Livingston, New Jersey, and then in 2018 signed for Roma. Oh, okay. His first so. name is Gennaro, and his middle name is Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, that's funny to me. I know yeah. that Michael's like pretty much a catch-all name for a lot of people, but a lot of super cultures, Italian yeah. first name and just Michael. I love it. Well, like Michael, know. not unlike Michael Imperioli of uh, Sopranos fame. Exactly, cousin oh. Christopher. Uh, he's twenty-two years old. Yeah, it could be fun to see what he's got. Hopefully, it's not COVID. <laughs> yeah, that'd be not great. All right, should we uh, should we end this whole shebang? Let's go home. All right. Get Wait, all right. We have we're yeah we're done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week, guys. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's one more thing on the document. Oh, goose, goose. No, come on. <laughs> Don't do this, dude. And then we have one more topic. I actually gave a Gustavo Cuellar update already. I think that's true. I'm sorry. Basically, mentioning duplicating your efforts. This joke has played out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, good night. I'm not, I'm not sure All it's right, funny. Bye, everyone. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Okay, <laughs>